Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 168, my interview with Grace Lee Riser. So the last couple of weeks have just been an incredible whirlwind. I went to New Orleans for the first time, went to the Jazz Education Network conference, to, uh, and I met just a bunch of new people and connected with some people that I hadn't seen in a really long time and just had, you know, maybe a few, I wouldn't say epiphanies, but like little nuggets of ideas that have kind of, um, you know, just, uh, grown a little or deepened a little in the last week. Um, and then, you know, um, Andrew's grandfather died, uh, December 29th. So we had like a, the viewing and the funeral. Um, and I hadn't been to a funeral since my mom's and, you know, it's just, I feel like times, you know, death rituals are, are such, poignant times for kind of thinking about life and what we're doing and kind of what family means and like what it means to have community and um, how we kind of can honor and respect each other and the combination of some of the ideas that I was having in New Orleans and and then kind of um, throughout this extra kind of family time with with a Andrew's family, my family, um, through Andrew. Um, I've just been thinking a lot and, you know, I, I plan to do some more writing and talking about this, but one thought that I had is, you know, every month. So I, I know you guys know I write these essays, um, but I guess maybe I'll just say in case you're here for the first time. So maybe six months or so into, um, the art of his podcast, which I started back in 2019, I just love these interviews so much and I just felt like I I wanted to give them a little bit more. So I started a practice of re-listening to the interviews right before I released them and taking some notes and then writing like an essay each month about, you know, themes that had come up in like whatever conversations, whatever episodes had come out that month. And recently, I think maybe feeling pulled by the same, you know, basic impulse, um, I just feel like some of these, like I don't get to write about all the notes um, that I'm taking and, and my, you know, my favorite things about the interview. So I thought maybe I would try um, and or just maybe start a new thing um, of like telling you in the intro some of the the things that the guest and I are going to talk about that, that I liked especially so that when you can hear them, when you hear them, you'll, I don't know, maybe hear them a little differently. So um, just like I have, this is the first time I'm doing this and I, I maybe will hone this strategy over time. Um, but I'll, I just want to kind of speak just quickly speak on like a couple of these notes, um, that I took, um, in my interview with Grace, Grace and I met for the first time, um, at this interview. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in our, in our, in the interview. Um, but one of the, one of the, my favorite things that we talked about and, and a subject I've been thinking about a lot, um, before and since this interview is the kind of false binary of like logic versus creativity. Like we talk about it like, Oh, left brain, right brain. Um, and there's, you know, some things to that, but the idea that like creativity is, you know, lives in one place and logic lives in another place. It just really does a disservice to both. Um, you know, obviously it takes a lot of creativity to be logical, to like find your way through, um, you know, a, a line of reasoning and to plug up, you know, to make sure that uh, there aren't holes and gaps in the reasoning that takes quite a bit of like creative thought and imagination. Um, you know, you can think of creativity as like a means toward logic and I'm sure there's other ways to think about it too, but that is something that I hear a lot. Um, 
uh, Grace and I talk about kind of, you know, the, the firm belief that we both have that truly every single individual has, um, you know, some incredible experience or wisdom to share or like a, a, a really amazing skill. Um, and that, you know, again, it takes creativity, um, to, you know, to, to be curious about where that wisdom might be. Um, and that's both, you know, in yourself, like what modality might help me kind of, um, access my, my most vibrant skill set or, um, or thoughts. And also when we're looking at other people, um, let's see. Yeah. Grace talked a lot about, um, how the talks a lot about how the, the weaknesses that exist, um, the weaknesses that exist in the shadow of your strength. So, you know, whatever your strength is, like if you're really strong somewhere, there's, there's almost always sort of a, a complementary weakness. Like I'm really good at this. And, and because I'm so good at this, I'm, I'm maybe like a little less good at these things. Um, and just kind of, you know, thinking about that. Um, and I think that might be, we talk a lot about the virtue of like seeking beauty, um, you know, this kind of aesthetic awareness and that's like a, just a blanket positive, um, a, a valuable way to, for all of us to spend our time in something that, you know, if anybody, um, doesn't do enough of it can be, um, I don't know, detri detrimental, like it's just, it's a positive thing. Um, and then we talk about how, um, there are just infinite ways to show up in the world. You can be whatever you want. You can show up however you want. Um, you know, not hiding, um, showing up as your whole self. So those are the kind of the themes that I, that I love from this conversation. Um, and I hope, uh, those will kind of get you like listening in a slightly different way. Um, okay. I don't have any announcements this week. Um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just telling you where I'm at, which is I've been doing a lot of things and thinking a lot of thoughts and just hustling, hustling all around. Um, but I will, you know, I, I guess, what I want to say is I'm thinking about these intros differently. And if you have thoughts and you like what you're hearing, um, reach out and tell me. Okay. Um, that leaves just one thing, which is to tell you a little bit more about Grace. Grace was born and raised in Sandy, Utah, where she grew up doing two things, playing soccer and making art. Today, she continues to do just that. She spends the majority of her time at Harmon's Grocery, painting and installing signs, at home painting original work or commissioned work for her art patrons, and of course, we mustn't forget playing soccer in multiple adult leagues. She has certainly been blessed with lifelong passion for what she does. Grace graduated Utah State University in 2015 with a BFA and an emphasis in drawing and painting. She has since studied under a professional mural artist and a professional faux finishing painter. Grace spends her time going on outdoor adventures such as rock climbing, hiking, and camping, or traveling the world, always taking her art supplies with her, with family or friends. In 2018, Grace attended the University of Santa Monica, where she studied spiritual psychology, a passion discovered in her early 20s, along with cognitive therapy, trauma work, energy work, and somatic work. She now uses both her artwork and her passion for spiritual psychology and healing work as a healing coach. She spends a lot of her time trying to think of ways to help people tap back into their own innate creativity and to heal their deepest wounds. 
and playing soccer. Um, and yeah, we talk more about all of these things and it was just a joy to meet Grace and to speak with her here. And, um, you know, it's amazing to, when I go to the Harmon's grocery store, grocery store where I do nearly all of my food shopping, I see Grace's work all over and it's lovely to see it and to know whose hands and brain and heart made that work. Um, and you know, Grace really is an artist that benefits my like daily and weekly life. And that's just pretty cool. Okay. So, um, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Grace Lee Reiser. Here comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Okay. Your fingernails are so beautiful. Oh, thanks. What I got them done. What a lovely color. Oh, good. I'm glad you think so, because I was hesitant about this color. Really? But I'm usually more of a... <laughs> this is like almost too bright for me. Oh, you really? might not. My personal style really contradicts the art. I, my art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It absolutely does. And yeah. Let's talk so. more about that too. Here, um, try putting the mic over on the like on the front of the chair like this. Oh, yeah. I think that will work better. Yeah. Is does Should, that seem better? Like for my like, do you hear your voice being like more kind of in it? Sounds echoey, but in it, sure. Let me just turn you up a little bit. Our kind of like how how the intersection of like our personal identity and our art like is confusing. Oh sure. <laughs> um, I think lots of times people expect like artists to present a certain way, and if like you're not presenting that certain way, people will kind of be like, "Well, are you like a real artist?" <laughs> but and I feel like that can happen if we're not kind of performing like artistic clothing right or mm -hmm. you know things like that well how Absolutely. are you today what's going on <laughs> emily i'm nervous, <laughs> <Don't be> nervous. <laughs> are you nervous about like anything in particular like that we just won't have stuff to talk about or what are um, you thinking no i think it's just the general uh unknown the anticipation sure. of it sure i've never done this before i've always wanted to really? and i have plenty to talk about okay great I and we'll wait. see if it comes up, well, I'll, you know? I'll talk you through it. And then mm -hmm. what I've been telling people lately is like, if you get home and you realize you had more to say, we'll just have you come back. Oh, no big deal. That alone is very comforting. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've started mm -hmm. doing a couple of like, you know, so-and-so returns episodes, like mm -hmm. re-interviewing people from like earlier seasons. And I've really enjoyed that so far. So Good. it's just like I, an open door. Yeah, I know. I like, I fully uh, anticipate like going home and just reeling about Oh, I should have said this there. Journal you know? about it or and then like, come yeah, back in a year. Like, or it sparked this uh, a <laughs> little too late, you know? And uh, or we can yeah. also even record like a little mini so like just over Zoom and be like, here's a little addendum, like, by the way. So rest, Dude, rest okay. easy about that. Oh, that's so comforting. Oh, you, man, you know your stuff. This is, I know you've done like, what, a couple hundred of these? No, it's been like almost, like I'm, I'm 
closing close. in on 200. Okay. Yeah. 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 I scrolled there. I knew it was a lot. <laughs> Multiple like, oh hundreds gosh, of hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the most episodes are like close to two hours. Well, let's dig in. Okay. So I like to start with people by talking about like the creative environment in your childhood. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe just tell me about like what, what was kind of the early evidence that you were a creative child? Um, I mean, I, I have been taking art lessons since I was a kid. Okay. And so it's just, it's just one of those things that I've always done. My sister did it too. Okay. My mom is artistic also. Okay. That's helpful. What does Mm -hmm. she do? Uh, I mean now currently with herself. (laughs) Then now I'd Um, love to like, I always say like, I feel like I can ask better questions of like the adult here. mm -hmm. If I understand like where your creativity is sort of rooted and like what the context is. So anything you want to say about like what it was like then, what it's like now, just what the kind of creative, you know, environment was in the childhood. Um, I mean, it's kind of a lot like it is now. Yeah. (laughs) And that I grew up in a family that the, the women were the artistic alternative, Mm. uh, free spirit types. Tell me more about that. (laughs) And the men were doctors and logical people. (laughs) So, um, I just kind of followed, followed suit with my mom and my sister and they put us in art classes and it's something I just never stopped. Um, my mom took a couple lessons with us. I remember her being in, she would come yeah to some lessons with one of our art teachers. Um, I had many, <laughs> many art teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know, we would just paint together. Were you like taking to it in a different way than like your sister? You had one, you have one sister. Mm-hmm. I had one older sister. Um, were, was it, was it different for you or like, is she an artist now too? Or yeah. So my sister, I actually, I do this full time now Yeah, and, um, I think I developed skills and abilities in artwork that she didn't. Her style is different than mine, but she still does it. Okay. So she has moved more towards the abstract realm of art. Cool. cool. And, um, you know, that area of it. And I really took on and took off with like technical skill. Sure. You know. So was your mom like doing any professional art or she just was like an excited like hobbyist (laughs) or Um, something else? I don't know if she's ever been that really passionate about art (laughs) or any any hobby in general no she gets extremely passionate about uh her house and interior design and and making that beautiful and gorgeous and everything she's ever wanted that's her big thing now for sure I think that's Um, huge it is I've been thinking a lot Mm -hmm. about kind of like the gendered breakdown of creativity in my family too which is why it's interesting that you said that and I'm like I need to know more Uh but I think interior design is like one of the ways that a lot of women are like permitted to kind sure. of like explore artistically. So I'm like, it's not at all a surprising fact <laughs> that a lot of women have their home as like a, a major creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that was, that's always been like a dream of hers, like huge. And she couldn't pursue it when she, at least when I was younger or, um, when they first moved into the house that we have now. Yeah. Um, I mean, due to one, she got sick with chronic fatigue. Okay. So she didn't have the energy for it. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think my dad cared about that as much as she did. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But so she did pursue art a little bit with us. Um, and also, she's always been a musician. She's the oh, only cool. musician in the family. In the family? the cool. only musically inclined person <laughs> in the family. Play? <laughs> she grew up playing the flute. Cool. And she, cool. she did band and, um, and 
she was second in state. I believe she grew up in California. Okay, cool. Um, and so very good at that. Something I always wish I picked up. Yeah. Well, it's never too late. <laughs> I mean, right. it's one mm-hmm. of those things I think where like, I mean, I teach music and I, I teach a lot of adult beginners. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I've seen like adult beginners, like really, you know, cultivate a thriving like talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think like the older that we get, we just don't have time and you have to like you know. really make choices about how to spend your time. So oh, it's priorities. We'll yeah. talk about that. The yeah. many projects that I, and I'm sure you want to do. Um, yeah. It's yeah, continually overwhelming. Sometimes for me. there are things that like in the corner of my mind, I think like I'd like to do that, but I know like I, I really won't have time to do that until I like, there are so many other things that are in line mm-hmm. before it. Yeah. Do you think that's particularly an artist thing or I is it just know. a Okay, so one <laughs> a of the things thing. that I'm thinking about with like these kind of gendered expressions of mm-hmm. of creativity is like I'm really interested in like creativity as a skill set in and of itself, like mm-hmm. outside of the arts. And I'm Let's I'm curious whether yeah, mm-hmm. I'm curious whether you feel like the kind of, you know, men in the family are creative too, but just not artistic. And like whether you feel like you're also learning like creative skills from your dad. Um, I mean I fully subscribe to that theory. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause I, I believe, yeah, that, I mean, I have a logical brain too and an artistic side and so do they. Yeah. Um, and I fully believe in their potential to be creative sure. and that they, that it'll show up in different ways. Right. Um, it'll show up in how employee yeah. management or, yeah, you know, absolutely. things like that. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and that's a whole nother topic for me as well, because I believe in the healing power of creativity and that yeah. means inclusivity and everyone has potential Amen. in that. I feel right? the same. Well, I think that's part of why, like I started this podcast and a lot of like the, the writing that I do, like, you know, as an artist, I'm a musician, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the kind of themes that I gravitate toward are about like, how can we use creativity to like heal mm-hmm. our human family? <laughs> like I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. Are you thinking about <laughs> that stuff to too? Me. No, absolutely. Yeah. That is like one of the, because I, I am a life coach as well. Oh, I do cool. healing coaching. I do oh, healing work. Um, you know, spiritual psychology and everything, yeah. which completely overlaps with art in my creative upbringing. Yeah. Right. And so one of the core concepts of that is of course, creativity is healing. Yeah. Right. I and so it. getting people back in touch with your creativity and letting go of the expectations yeah. or the ego around it or how it's supposed to show up. Right. And so, which includes just the endless and unlimited ways and yeah. in, incomprehensible ways totally. that creativity shows up in this world already. Hard you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that my dad and my brother are creative yeah. in ways. I don't know if I can pinpoint it and how that influenced me now, because that's always been kind of the, the well, split dynamic in our family. Maybe I have one, maybe I have a specific question. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I'm interested in is like, what are, how is your creativity like received in the family and, or, you know, is there, is there creative discussion? Like, is there like a, is there an idea that like, oh, hey, we respect creativity. Like, are we talking about media? Are we talking about like thinking creatively about people? And, you know, like, so do you feel like there was like an environment of like creative thinking in your family? Um, I think in subtle ways, sure. certainly, but I think in other ways it wasn't as encouraged my, or my as, as strictly it discouraged. Definitely discouraged. Yeah, yeah, it was discouraged. Um, so like when it comes to, I think I know you, you're from Utah, you grew up LDS. I grew up LDS, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Arizona. 
but oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, I grew up here yeah. and I grew up LDS yeah. and I just know, like, I think there is creativity or at least the permission in to believe or to create your own belief forms, even in that space There's from like my dad like yeah mm-hmm. theologically like there definitely mm-hmm. should be yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah. Yeah. right and I, I think my my dad uh had more of that than I thought growing up cool for sure um but like they're also on the other side of it coming from the logical side of the men yeah. like uh, my mom told me once that my dad said and let's let's make this be clear I love my dad yeah, and he's yeah. amazing Good. he's a wonderful person that's great and he fully supports art <laughs> yeah 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 okay but he said it's better to serve people than to become an artist or something oh, like that I mean I definitely was told that too mm-hmm. it was definitely like even if you're gonna major in like an art kind of a profession mm-hmm. you need to be thinking about like how you can use this to like mm-hmm. serve the Lord. Yeah, it's better to help people or the Lord, right? Which is yeah. helping the Lord. So right. it's just, and like, rather than us pursuing your own selfish passion, quote unquote, right. totally. You know, like there's that will vanity. never secure you anyway. Yeah. So there's oh, some of that. Well, I mean, I really relate to that. And I have a, I have a, I don't have a relationship with my dad. I've been estranged mm. with him for, uh, from, for about three years. Um, but I, I have a lot of compassion for this, um, this type of a narrative in that like, you know, different institutions. And I, I would say religion in general is probably Mm -hmm. one. Um, but you know, different institutions, um, give us this idea that like logic and creativity are not the same, (laughs) you know? Well, yeah. Well, like, also, it's just, just kind of bullshit. It's so silly. It, it, again, it's the polarity of things, right? The it's right like brain, kind the left of a brain, false binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. When yeah. in fact, creativity is probably the bridge between those right? two like, sectors of the brain. Like, if you don't think brain. it takes creativity mm-hmm. to like do logic, mm-hmm. math, where does it come <laughs> like, from? Yeah, uh-huh. totally. Yeah, like totally. no, absolutely. And again, like that is just my entire belief system. It's everywhere, and yeah. we have to one acknowledge the fact that it's everywhere to give ourselves permission to tap into it. I hear yes. this all the time because I'm an artist. Yeah, tell me everything. You <laughs> like, we'll just come back to the, like, just talk to me about it while we're here. Okay. Yeah. Thank give you. me all your thoughts. Um, it's just one of the, the number one thing I hear is, man, I wish I was creative or right. I wish I was more creative. I'm like, honey, that's a skill. <laughs> it yeah, is you, absolutely you a skill. It. You are one more creative than you think you are. Yeah. And two, you can, you can build it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just happen to have grown up doing this in this way. Right. Yeah. It's like this false premise that like your creativity has to exhibit itself in like very specific, like product driven ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to monetize them. And if you can't, then it isn't real. Um, you know, like just Mm -hmm. so many weird things. And I, I, like I said, I have a lot of compassion for, I mean, I think I've talked about this a lot over the years that I've been doing this podcast because a lot of my guests grew up Mormon. Um, but I think it's a tr- like a tragedy for men too, <laughs> like that these kind of like other ways of thinking are not permitted. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think Mormon women are also like amazing, like finding <laughs> ways to like, you know, bring creativity out. But I do think like it's, it's, it's painful. <laughs> like we've got to do better. Oh no, absolutely. Like men have certainly been, uh, disserviced, (laughs) you know, in, in this, this splitness, this polarity and taking the ownership of, or the lack thereof, of their own creativity. Yes. Right. Their innate, their inherent creativity, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Think of all the problems we could solve if like we all felt like we could employ like all of our skills, you know, and <laughs> passions and like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, integration and wholeness. Right. right? Yes. <laughs> integration, right. man. I'm like living there. Hello. Lately. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want, do you want to say any more about that now? Or do you want to kind of like go back and like do some more fact finding about your childhood and your teens? Oh, I mean, yeah, my, my child, I'm one. I don't remember it as much as like my siblings do. Okay. Yeah. I'm one of those. <laughs> oh, you have younger siblings also? No, no. I'm, I I have two older siblings, okay. but they certainly remember yeah. more of it than I do. Okay. Um, well, but, that's, that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, we don't have to spend too much time, um, but I do have like a couple of questions. Uh, one of which is, do you remember, and if you don't, that's fine, but mm-hmm. do you remember what like kind of art felt like to you as a child? Well, <sighs> um, let's take a second sure. on that. Uh, what did it feel like? I mean, the thing I always go back to and to answer any kind of question around this area of my life is I've done two things my entire life, which is art and soccer. Okay. I just stuck with them. I just did them Yeah. I continued to do them. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, um, I can't, it was just something I did and I enjoyed, so I kept doing it. Sure. You just and that has it. followed me yeah. throughout my life. Yeah. <laughs> that has not ended. Did you? Get, and I don't like, think it was more complex than that. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I love it. Like, uh-huh. I mean, I think that's really nice. Like, I, I'm good at it. I like it. I do it. <laughs> like, radical. Well, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and it's certainly a privilege, too. Like, sure. <laughs> right? But I mean, but, I would mm-hmm. say it's a privilege that should be afforded all children. Absolutely. Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, um, it seems quite a simple thing to mm-hmm. grant to a child, yeah. <laughs> children and adults. And yeah. I think that is another cornerstone of creativity. Do it for the sake of enjoyment, yes. not for the expectation or the outcome. I totally right? agree. I mean, I teach at UVU, I teach music students and <clears throat> something we talk about so much. I mean, I try to create like an environment where my students can speak openly about like the fears that they have of being in a creative field, mm-hmm. kind of declaring an intention to like pursue a creative field and really trying to balance, like, why are we doing it? You know, like, can we be clear about the fact that like, we're doing this because we like it, but also be strategic about like mm-hmm. how to hopefully make a living. Like it's tricky. Well, yeah. Also how to have a vision of who you want to be as you yeah. pursue this passion and what you want it to give yourself and others, yeah. you know? Yes. How do you want it to serve you? Identity. Yeah. It's everything. It's it. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm curious about the childhood too. Like, because, you know, if, so some children, like, you know, some of the adults that I interview, when I ask them about their childhoods, mm-hmm. like they talk about their talent and they talk about how, you know, the adults in their lives were giving them a lot of attention and pretty early on there was this pressure, you know, and that's an important thing to know. Like, for how like this adult person is like thinking about their creativity. So I love hearing that. Like it was Mm -hmm. just joy. Mm -hmm. Is that, is there anything else to include? Um, I mean, honestly, the thing I just keep thinking of is just, it just was Yeah. (laughs) like, um, it wasn't encouraged. It wasn't discouraged. It was just, yeah. Yeah. Well, it it was certainly, it was certainly encouraged. Okay. Like my, my sister and my mom did it and they wanted to put me in classes and I wanted to be in classes and, um, and I was allowed and able to continue that yeah. forever and always, you know, I have one, Thank other, I have one other question about your childhood and then maybe a few questions about your teens. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember any like media of any kind, you know, books, music that you were taking in that like 
has had an influence on, you know, the, the creative that you are or the person that you are? Um, ugh, media, um, n- not that I can think of. Honestly, as a kid, my inspiration or my influence was my older sister and my art teachers, well, <laughs> at least when it comes to art, yeah. at least from what I can remember. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of being so. inspired by the art of other Mm-hmm. artists other visual artists mostly yeah certainly cool, cool. and mm-hmm. then I wanted to ask about your teens like do you have memories of kind of taking this like little talent or like you know this kind of interest and starting to really like work on things and like build mm-hmm. that technique and what was that like um I mean <laughs> going from play to like work or like more structured kind of you know improvement of skills or development of skills I mean, I went from medium to medium. Like there was a okay. natural progression. Okay. Like you started with pencils, color pencils, watercolors, right. <laughs> chalk or um, pastels. Yeah, chalk, pastels. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I grew up doing a lot of pastels. Cool. Right. And it all, and at the base of that was the basics, which was learning to draw well, the okay. grid system, like illustrative, like that. illustration, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I just went from medium to medium um, until I finally, I think in high school, I landed on acrylic painting cool and i think that that was just why do you like niche. acrylics <laughs> like, what is why it why do i like because they're quick yeah <laughs> um i don't and they're they're generally clean yeah. again another like stereotype that i don't fit in is i'm a very clean person i'm not messy my yeah. studio is clean cool my hands and my clothes are clean i go to work in this <laughs> yeah. because i know i won't get stuff on me right <laughs> yeah know? yeah so um i like it because i they are water soluble and you yeah. can wash them off i can't <laughs> if 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 it you know it happens to get on me <laughs> which it rarely does so i like um, acrylics too like i've never taken like a painting class and i've wondered myself like why do i prefer acrylics and i think for me it's because of all the like crafts that I did growing up oh sure like you know being in like achievement days which for the listeners like it's kind of like the scouts equivalent for for Mormon girls (laughs) um and then you know like I remember like even as a little kid always going to like you might be you might like the five-year difference in our age might really be (laughs) a difference here but like they used to have like homemaking nights do you remember that? I think they stopped it. Like you probably really don't remember it. I don't. <laughs> and maybe it was also just like mm-hmm. in our steak um, mm-hmm. in Arizona, but wait, like, Oh, you or you would make little crafts. Yeah. Like once like, a month there would with be cute like little sayings on them and you would. Yeah. And but like was, the, your mom might like sign up. They would be like, we're going to have these three crafts sign up for one. You want you like pay something for it. And then you go on the night and like uh-huh. do the craft. Yeah, but I don't my, remember it being that official, I but like, I remember. I literally yeah. have not thought about this like ever. But I'm thinking about it now. But like my mom, to her credit, like this is maybe a thing I should add to like the thanks mom pile. Um, she would <laughs> sign me up for them. She would like take me with her as like a child. Mm-hmm. And I would do like my own craft, you know, like mm-hmm. and I would sit with like all of the adult women and like paint a turkey you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, paint like a wooden Turkey, but uh, we always certainly used acrylics like on wood, you know, Mm -hmm. but anyway, like maybe there's just something kind of, I wondered if maybe like there was something like Mormon crafts (laughs) related to your like acrylics preference. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was. (laughs) Maybe there is in there somewhere. Yeah. In there somewhere. But, uh, I certainly did plenty of crafts growing up in relation to, 
the religion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. Um, but I, yeah, no. I never minded it. You know, mm-hmm. like I always thought that was great. <laughs> it was like one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. Um, right. So did you? Sorry, did you want to say anything else about like in high school, like taking art classes, like really improving your skills and kind of thinking technically about like, you know, moving those needles. Um. I mean, no, I don't have much more to say about it, except I just kept doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I really wish I, I wasn't like a highly sensitive or a feelings uh, based child. I know I had them and tell me if this was yeah. um, like part of your childhood or if you would, would late, relate the two. I do you because can, like, wrap that around the boom if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I'm so interested in what you're saying. Um, Wait, move your mic back though. Did I move it? Hello. Yeah, it got a little, <laughs> I think do this to it. Like, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know like how I'm supposed to sound. <laughs> I think like you just want your sound to be going like right in the tip of the microphone. Cause like okay. this over here, this isn't microphone. Oh, this, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. You, you let me know if I yeah, I'll tell you. Well, that's why the uh-huh. headphones are helpful too. Cause then you can kind of like hear your sound like go oh, away. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Not a feelings-ish type <laughs> mm-hmm. of child. Right. Or, or um, I mean, I'm a body center type person. It means I love to run and move around and I still I do to this day. <laughs> yeah. But um, I also, I, and my sister would back me up on this, is that it's easier to remember things when you tie an emotion to it. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, and so maybe that is why I don't remember much. Mm. Um, also, I mean, there's certainly some uh, traumatic protection <laughs> yeah. of forgetting my childhood yeah. and being the youngest and just kind of being there. But my point is, um, that might be why I don't remember much of it. And my sister remembers a lot more and mm. probably, a, yeah, she absolutely has more memories around her art development, mm. yeah. <laughs> around our relationships in general, around her influences, yeah. you know, around her favorite things as a kid. Yeah. Um, I don't, I remember pictures. Sure. Um, also, also this is something I was okay. trying to do the other day yeah. was to find some pictures of me painting as a kid. Yeah. There aren't there many, aren't there any. aren't any actually yeah. actually painting. I don't have yeah. any, wow. none, which I'm, I'm like surprised. Like, I think I was doing it all the time. Yeah. I know. I like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, even my sister doesn't have many, but my dad is such a, he loved taking pictures, Yeah. but because he's the one who loved taking pictures. It wasn't of that. <laughs> it was Ooh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You Interesting. Know? But also it was my mom who was coming to the classes with us. Right. right. So, right, um, right, right. but yeah, it was just interesting. And so I can't even, I don't have photos to tie this to. Well, and I know that memory is totally yeah. fallible. So when mm-hmm. I ask people about their memory, like, I think I'm as interested in like, what's your narrative as mm-hmm. like, what are the facts? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but so, so do you, when do your memories start being more, like at what age do you start having like more memories? Um, college on. Okay. Yeah. So but, maybe just tell me like how you decided to like choose a major and like what your major was. <laughs> the theme doesn't change. Okay. Yeah. We're not it's sure. Still, no, it's still, <laughs> I just did it because that seemed like, like what else would I do? Yeah. I've always done art. I'm going to keep doing art. I clearly enjoy anyone it. Anyone being like, are you sure? Or like, no, not wow. even, uh, yeah, I don't remember it. That's crazy. I, I honestly, I, I fully expect that like my sister would have some she'll things have, to say about like, this. I know what even happened. my journey. Yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. Um, or things people have said or, um, you know, 
it's stuff like that. But no, for me, it was just a, I'm going to keep doing this. So where did you go to school? Utah State. Okay. Utah State. Mm -hmm. And for fine art or like what was the major? Uh, the major was, yeah, fine art, drawing, the emphasis in drawing and painting. Okay. So BFA in fine art. Cool. Um, and my sister did the same one before me, but she got, uh, she double majored in English as well. Okay, cool. But, so um, tell me about college. Like what, what do you, like what stands out in terms of like, um, your creative development, your kind of identity development? Um, yeah. T just tell me, tell me, tell me what's important. Um, I mean, again, I, I lived in the art building as soon as I started that part of my major and, I lived at the field house where I played pickup soccer every night. Right, right, right. <laughs> so again, those are the two biggest defining parts of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but in art specifically, like that's where I started to explore concept conceptual art. Okay. Like Tell specifically, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's where, I mean, I think I'd probably been in therapy for a couple of years mm. And, um, and I started to study spiritual psychology and healing work yeah. and, you know, reading Eckhart Tolle and what was that <laughs> all this like? stuff. Um, you know, it was exciting and igniting a new passion. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and especially exploring the, you know, the, how I can use that in my artwork and overlapping the two. Tell me everything. Passions. I would love details. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me everything. So, I mean, I started to paint things. Um, just with concepts behind them, like, um, self-love, yeah. you know, what that looks like, what yeah. that looks like in a painting or how that shows up for me. And, yeah. um, at you least, know, which is why I loved portraiture. I've always painted portraits, yeah. you know, at least, um, cause there, ha there's some investment and care in like the individual in the human being. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is the hardest thing to sell <laughs> when you want to sell original work right, right. is a portrait of someone random. You found a way to do it. <laughs> you found a way to do some of it. Uh, yeah, I found a way to sell stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not necessarily portraiture oh, sure. unless it's a yeah. commission. Right. But anyway, so I, I, that's why I loved painting people and I also love painting myself. Yeah. Yeah. I still do to this day. What? I love like, painting myself. What does it mean to you? Um, I think there's something about staring at my face, yeah. like having to look at my face and what it is yeah, and then to, um, just to know it so insanely well. Mm. And then to, does it feel like go acceptance? Deeper. It feels like something like, it feels like self-care, self-love. Yeah. Kind of like over and over and over again, this is what it is. Yeah. And let's try to bring forth what's deeper than this, mm. you know, Cool. just again and again, because it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so these like themes that you kind of were introduced to in college, um, in the, you said it was like a spiritual psychology class. Um, those are not college classes. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, but I me, did like, what, what, where so, did it start? How did it begin? I think I'm wondering, how did you get interested in it? Like, what did it mean? You can just manhandle all of this. Just, yeah, just yes, get it where fine. you want it. Yeah. Um, where, yeah did like, it where did it begin? Yeah. Where did the interest start? Like, how did you begin to explore like other okay. stuff? So here, here, now, now we'll go a little bit younger. Right? Okay. <laughs> here, okay. here's more memory. Okay. Um, so my mom got sick when I was 12 with chronic fatigue. Okay. Um, and so she, after trying to go the mainstream route to desperately get better, get mm. that help, it didn't help her. So mm. she started to dive into spiritual psychology, trauma work, shadow work, healing work, internal family systems, 
all that ego work, energy work, right? Steady stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so wow. at the time it was, it was pretty new age. And of course it, of course it was to me. I've never heard of any of this. And, um, so my, she put, my sister started going to therapy. She started going to therapy. So I started going to therapy. Yeah. Um, my mom's it's sick. I got a lot to talk about. It's kind of radical <laughs> for the time and place. I think at the time it was on the edge of, of pretty radical. At least it felt like, yeah. And, um, now it's, it's far more mainstream. Yeah. Thank heavens, which is a very good yeah. thing. Um, well, chronic fatigue, but, isn't chronic fatigue still like really understudied? Like we kind of don't know like what it is. It's still really, yeah, we, yeah. we don't understand it uh, yeah. for sure. But, um, my Next. mom understands it pretty well now because from what she found, it comes from it's trauma. Like psychosomatic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, that makes perfect a, sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much of like the podcast you've listened to, but like my background is like both of my parents are like, you know, narcissistic Mm -hmm. spectrum stuff or, you know, other cluster B things. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I don't know. They're not diagnosed, (laughs) Um, but my mom died of brain cancer five years ago and and she was diagnosed like right as I was kind of starting to like deal with all that stuff. And, and like what happened to me was like, I was, you know, 26 and I was having crippling back pain, like really, really bad back pain. Um, And so I went to physical therapy and I was going to physical therapy for like six months. And my physical therapist, like, bless her. She was like, I don't think there's anything structurally wrong with you. I think this is trauma. Wow. And I had like not told anybody no, that's my that's husband. Amazing. My husband didn't know, you know, like mm-hmm. I had not talked about it. Um, like the, tra- you know, the kind of trauma of my childhood and like the emotional abuse that had gone on. And, uh, so I started going to therapy and then two weeks after that, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. <laughs> so it was like a heavy time. Mm-hmm. And then she, it took her kind of two, two years for the cancer to kind of like take her out. Um, mm-hmm. and then I went no contact with my dad two years after that. And that was three years ago. So I know that's a lot, I know, but my, I don't have back pain anymore and I didn't change anything. (laughs) You know, I just went to therapy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just, I just went to therapy and stopped like blaming all of that on myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's not, it's not at all surprising to me that like trauma could, Oh, absolutely. You know, have physical symptoms. Right. No, I, I remember the, one of the first books that my mom gave me as part of this journey was dying to be me by Anita Morjani. Mm, I and heard of it. Oh, well, you should absolutely yeah. read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, that was a great one. The, the whole premise is that she, um, she had stage four cancer. Wow. She died from it. And then she came back to life completely healed. What? Because she, <laughs> right. I know it's, in, it's insane and radical. And she has like the, excuse me. She has the, you know, all the medical, uh, proof to prove it and everything. Wow. But, um, the point is she, her story is she died, she met God and her father, wow. uh, which essentially was just pure love, wow. just unconditional, incomprehensible love. And she learned that, I mean, cause she grew up in India. Um, and so all the lots of <laughs> gender trauma. norms, yeah, yeah lots, lots of trauma, of trauma from um, every and suppressing direction. her true self and who she really is and not loving herself and all this pain mm. and, and fitting into these, you know, societal and family roles and yeah. all this stuff, suppressing her authentic self made her sick, killed her. She died. She met real love. Yeah. Unconditional real love. And 
and then realized her true self yeah. and had the choice to come back. And so she did. And now that's her mission is to and then the cancer went away. It, it went away in a matter of a week or something. Holy I think shit. immediately they were. Yeah. They well, were I, I like unironically and like kind of unabashedly like think that my mom gave herself brain cancer <laughs> from like just being like in such a bind. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd, I couldn't prove that obviously, not, but like I, yeah. I, I definitely kind of think that by not being safe in who she really is yeah not feeling safe right (laughs) and there's we could go many different directions with this um but but okay so Mm -hmm. this this started with your mom and then she brought like her daughters kind of into that sorry Mm -hmm. you have one other older sibling yeah i have an older sister and an older brother okay so i have two older siblings so Um, you and your sister were in therapy at the same time your mom was Mm -hmm. you're like teenagers i think i started just out of high school or beginning of Okay, so it's Beginning like at the college. same time. Yeah. And then, yeah, sorry, you were starting to talk about how like some of those themes were like starting to like get into your art mm-hmm. and like, tell me more about that. Um, yeah, so I started to learn all these things, which again became a huge passion. So I was like, well, <laughs> um, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, let's start producing things that that mirror these um, these healing concepts. Yeah. You know, so like ego and like our identity and what we're believing, false self-beliefs and what yeah. we're believing about ourselves. I am this, I am that. Yeah. And really just the truth is I am. You're right. 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 Yeah. I am worthy, lovable enough, and I just exist. Right? It's hard. It's so hard. It's hard for me. Oh, I'm right there with yeah. you. <laughs> I, I, it, like even, even after, I mean, I've been going to therapy for 10 years. Yeah. It will forever and always be work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even before I came into this podcast, right, I, I was nervous and I can feel it in my body right now. Yeah. My nervous system. Is it right. Better. It is. No, Good. absolutely. Well, the point is like, I'm OK yeah. because I can ground myself even in the nerves, even right. in the shaky. Yeah. Right. But the point is my like intention before this whole podcast was no matter how I show up or what I have to share, it's enough. I'm yeah. enough. Right. I feel the same way and I tell yeah. myself the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and I've, I've been kind of recently, like sometimes I'll ask my guests when they, when we start the zoom call or when they come over, like, what kind of energy do you have today? And I try to <laughs> do the so same good. for myself. Like, um, you know, I don't know. I'm also like perennially like these traumas like pop <laughs> up in new ways or like mm-hmm. I'm kind of facing them in a new way and trying to also like let myself show up as like a person who's not always like bubbly yeah. or whatever, you know, but it's hard. It's so hard. It's hard work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I, I totally relate that to that too, because when I get nervous or insecure, you know, I, I feel like it get mellow and serious and I yeah. know that's not my true personality or who I really want. I I'm like, it's fine to be that. Yeah. But like, it's, it's not your shiniest self. It's not my most lighthearted and, and I feel like most authentic self, like, yeah, right? The self it's that you're subdued. most comfortable in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The full expression of yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally right. get that. Like mm-hmm. I definitely feel like, um, it, the older I get, the more that I feel aware of people and situations that, um, tend to kind of like result in me sort of like squishing myself, <laughs> making yourself smaller. Yeah. I've been yeah. really trying though to like, My therapist gave me this great advice, which I'm sure I brought up on the podcast a bunch of times. (laughs) It was probably like a year or so ago. And I was talking about like this. I was talking about like wanting to be like more 
more of myself, like just more expressive, more regularly, like integrating, like you said, like Mm -hmm. just feeling like I'm allowed to be the same basic self in like all the different projects that I do and not feeling like, well, when I teach at UVU, I need to show up this way. And when I'm singing in a wedding band, I need to show up this way. And Mm -hmm. when I'm on calls with wedding planners before the wedding, I need to talk like this, but just feeling like I can just be more just fluid, um, more kind of the same. And I, I told my therapist, I was like, I'm worried though, because like, I don't know where the boundaries are. Like, I, it, like these are just things we don't talk about in society. And so I like, I feel like the dearth of resources or like, I don't know. And my therapist was like, well, I think if you want to kind of learn to be more of yourself and you want to like explore your identity, like in practice in kind of different ways, you have mm-hmm. to just know that like, you'll probably come up against those boundaries and you'll figure out where they are as you kind of like dip a toe across them. (laughs) And then you'll be like, okay, noted. Can you give me an example of one of those boundaries? Have you met them yet? I have. (laughs) I mean, I I have like, okay, here's one. And this is, this is something that I've, maybe it will take me a second to like set up this story, but in, um, it's it's actually something that I've been thinking about like so much. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think about like kind of what to, make of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, this past semester at UVU, I taught songwriting like two for the first time. So I taught songwriting one for the first time in the fall and then songwriting two for the first time in the spring. And the way that I kind of decided to break the classes down is like in the fall, it's very technical. Like we're talking about like building like tools about like, you know, how to use harmony or how to kind of like make a structured melody, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then in songwriting two, I wanted to kind of get into the stuff that we know as artists is like a lot of the real stuff, which is like, where do I find inspiration? Like, how do I deal with self doubt? You know, like just more of these kind of like esoteric concepts Mm -hmm. that are like, no one ever talked to me about how to deal with that stuff. No. Like, yeah, they don't prepare you for that. No. And like I just they don't prepare you for the business world either to build art. <laughs> right. Well, you, you have some great music business classes, oh, but good. I told my students at the, at the beginning of class, I was like, you know, I like, I've realized like how much like I needed like a, a dead poet society experience. <laughs> and I feel like if songwriting too, isn't the place you can have that, like where, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try Absolutely. to like have this be like a place where we can like philosophize together. But here's the story. So one day, um, one of my students was performing a song and the song was an, like, cause the way that we structured the class is like, they had a new song due every two weeks mm-hmm. and then the students would play their songs in class and we would kind of talk about them. Um, And so my student had written a song about like war or like soldiers, you know, like kind of, you know, like a classic, like, like a, like a modern expression of sort of like a classic thematic, like folk, you know, Danny boy vibe. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and we were kind of talking as a class about how we kind of sensed that there was like something maybe like a little missing. Like maybe is there something, was there something like a little more that you wanted to say? And he kind of like teared up a little bit, this, my student in my class. And he said something like, well, I mean, I think politically, like I have some different beliefs than like a lot of the other students in the class. (laughs) I know. And, um, and I, and he was kind of, he didn't say much because I kind of was like, Oh, like, let me help. <laughs> but, um, but he kind of started to say like that. And it just like hit me, it hit me like so strong. Like when I was in college, I went to like this very artsy, like, um, 
like hippie town in, in Texas, but like kind of Austin vibes. And I was LDS and I was easily like the most conservative person in like my whole program. And I remember what that felt like and just thinking, oh my gosh, like I have this student in Utah County who's feeling that same feeling that Mm -hmm. I felt Mm -hmm. in like, and so I was like, I was like, no, like these, these stories of like war, like these are in, these are archetypes that like as humans, I think we'll always need help Mm -hmm. processing. These are important stories to tell. And I thought it was kind of this like, you know, nice moment in front of the class of kind of you know, everybody kind of being like, yeah, like we receive you in your creativity. And, um, and, and then, you know, like later I, I texted that same student, like a a book. And I kind of said, like, like, I kind of just said like what I just said to you, which is like, I remember being the most conservative person in my program Mm -hmm. and feeling really burdened by that. And this is a book that helped me like at that time, um, to, you know, figure out kind of how to, process the fact that I had different beliefs from Mm -hmm. the people around me. So, I mean, that's kind of like, I think that's a boundary, you know, like that's, that's me kind of going like, I think this is okay, but I'm listening, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, right, right. Waiting for the feedback to tell you, yeah, if this was, and I think it feels good. I think it's Mm -hmm. good, but, Mm -hmm. but that is definitely something that it's me kind of modeling a behavior that I never saw my professors do. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, but it takes that kind of exploration and leap. I'm going to try, see if I hit a book against the wall and I'll take that feedback. Right. Right. Oh, wonderful. Well, how do you yeah. feel about that now? Great. <laughs> Great. I feel like I want to do more, you know? Right. I mean, right. like, what's the harm? Well, especially like one thing I've been talking about with a lot of my fellow <laughs> colleagues is like the arts are different than, mm. and I maybe especially music and film um, because your students, I mean, most art professors I think are, artists like they're doing art they're not just teaching art and that means that like your students are your colleagues like Mm -hmm. there's not this there's you don't send them away and never see them again like a science professor does oh sure like they're in your art community Uh they graduate and they stay part of your community (laughs) and so I think like if I can't create human relationships with these people when they're my students like what am I doing well, right. And that's kind of one of the main concepts of healing work too, or even therapy. It's the relationship that heals, right? Right. It's the relationship that creates community and safety and yeah. regulation, co-regulation before self-regulation. So, um, cool. That is like the number one thing I, I think as a teacher, that's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. And, I and really try. Yeah. <laughs> and, and having the awareness and the, the, yeah, just to, test and explore those boundaries and know that there are boundaries yeah Yeah, absolutely it feels to me like Mm -hmm. a thoughtful courage and it feels very creative it feels Mm -hmm. very like there it is yeah (laughs) where can I put it like what how can I solve this problem ethically Mm -hmm. but with humanity like with you know tenderness Mm -hmm. and I just I believe that there must be a Venn diagram for those things. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Make one. If you don't find one, make one. Exactly. (laughs) I always Um, tell my therapist, like, well, I've said this in therapy a bunch of times, mm -hmm. like, if you're a creative, uh, be creative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Solve solve this non-art problem artfully, however Mm -hmm. you can. Right. doesn't always work, but it <laughs> seems like the best way to try. Yeah. No, absolutely. Creativity is always the first, the yeah. best chance to go. So when, did, so this, so this kind of time was like the beginning of like the life coaching work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Like, cause that's obviously artful as well. Like oh, how did you absolutely. kind of begin 
to see yourself like doing that? <sighs> well, <laughs> let's talk about imposter syndrome. Okay, <laughs> no, let's. But, um, <laughs> Uh, how did I see myself doing that? I mean, first it was just a, a, it became a passion. Like, look at all this new stuff I'm learning, especially, and if we, it's okay that we continue to talk about religion. Of course. (laughs) Right. Um, you know, I grew up in this church, um, and I just started to notice as I was doing therapy that I was taught these concepts that weren't actually, that didn't actually feel helpful or healing to me. Yeah. So And I was learning all these things in therapy that were helping me in these insane, radical ways that I just had no idea and that were actually regulating me and and healing me and healing my relationships. And I'm like, well, isn't that what we should get from this community over here? Yes. Right? And so I would look over here and be like, guys, like the base of this, you know, I can see the love in the very core of it, but these are highly dysfunctional people who are preaching, you know, loving things, but are creating such dysfunction and chaos and pain. I see a lot of pain, you know, um, even in my own family, like even in friends, like close things and, and anyway, closer relationships and farther. And, um, I'm just like, well, guy, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> like, Same thing happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you, you see the, the dissonance, the disconnect there. The kind of self-help, like the, the psychological books that I was reading mm-hmm. were helping more Right. Any and I think this else. is this is a, a huge so many people have this experience now. It's yeah. becoming more and more and more. And we're noticing the connection between, mm. you know, the healing work, the self-love that actually leads to happiness or yeah. health, healthy yeah. and sustainability, you right. know. Um, and better relationships. And um anyway, and so I just started to notice that and I was like, okay, well, that just fuels more of this passion here and you know, wanting to bring to light these concepts more and yeah. more. Um, and hopefully that might reach some of this community over here. Um, what, or maybe I can concepts? overlap like, them. You've talked about ego. You've talked about like self acceptance. Mm-hmm. Are there mm-hmm. other like big themes or concepts that you like were and are interested in? Um, I mean, now it just more and more, like there's yeah. just, just yeah. becomes more and more concepts. I mean, the, the world is you. huge. The world is huge. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been studying this for 10 years, but I know I haven't even, and this is something I have to admit to myself because yeah. I know I've, I've gotten on my like, um, soapbox of, oh, I know all this stuff now. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I know so much more than you now. And I, I'm an expert in this and like, just, oh no, I haven't even scratched the surface totally. of this. We're in a humble age. <laughs> that's how I feel like being in your thirties is kind of like, I know some stuff, but there's so much that I don't know. Right. I mean, it feels like that to me all the time. Right. And that's like, something I've had to like consciously face. You're old <laughs> enough to like be able to look back. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, maybe depending on how you feel about your memory, <laughs> but you're old enough to kind of look back and be like, I know I didn't know these things and I know them now. And to kind of <laughs> extrapolate that probably in another 30 years, you'll look back and be like, oh man, I the didn't know I anything. Didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know anything. No, absolutely. I, I absolutely stand for reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, the religion was just one, one aspect of it, but, um, just starting to pursue, pursue this world that has helped me so much that I felt more people need it, yeah. which thank heavens has become mainstream. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still needs more of it. Sure. <laughs> we still need more of it, yeah. which is what I'm trying to do just because, um, and I, I also, I found a world where I finally felt like, here's a really personal, I finally felt smart and wise, Yeah. which, you know, because of my growing up and my role in the family system, mm. I didn't, 
you know? So, uh, being, um, not smart or unintelligent is like a core wound of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, which is something I'm continually hitting up against even now, but finally I think, those um, narratives are so powerful, (laughs) so powerful. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, that that continues to be part of the work and the work I do for other people is challenging those false beliefs and learning what they feel like in the body. Yes. Right. How your nervous system holds it and how they're desperately trying to, how it's desperately trying to feel safe yeah. with that narrative going. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, let's question the narrative mm-hmm. and let's regulate the nervous system and <laughs> get those two things online, Yes, you know, in alignment with each other. Um, but anyway, so, and I continually still have to do that for myself. So even yeah. like today coming into this, it's like, okay, I, I see that narrative, but grace, let's slow mm-hmm. down. Let's find some grounding and in, in and find some comfort in yeah. it's enough. I'm enough. Yes. No matter how much I know or do not know or well, no matter my experience. If it helps. I mean, mm-hmm. I believe this so hard too. Like mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that like everyone has like incredible wisdom oh, and it's yeah. just a matter of like finding the modality like mm-hmm. to access that wisdom. I think some people are able to do it in words. Um, sometimes I reach out to an artist for the podcast that I, I love their work and I'm so moved by it. And they'll just tell me like, I don't do words. I just don't, you know, and I have to trust them. No, absolutely. I have to, I have to just, I mean, but I believe mm -hmm. that. I mean, I believe that like, I believe that everyone has got something like really important to share Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm totally with you. Like it's the same thing we were talking about before with like the kind of like the logic that men are permitted to like claim and the grace and creativity that women are com- permitted to claim mm-hmm. and the ex- exclusiveness of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my sister, I, I have a sister who's 22. She just turned 22 last week. And um, she and I are both like, we're, we're ditzy sometimes. <laughs> like we both can get daydreamy. Mm-hmm. I'm not always an excellent driver. <laughs> like I get distracted. I do stupid things sometimes, like oh, just embarrassing too. things. Mm-hmm. And our the our our dad and our brothers will definitely be like thinking that we're we're dumb, you know. So I like I hear, and then I just think like I know the dynamic very well. Yeah, and then I, but yeah. I'm like okay, but I'm also a college professor, so you know what of it, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. stupid in these ways. Fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, it's the other side of this coin. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get to be this like whimsical creative person and not like be an idiot sometimes. Like that's the same gift. Oh my gosh. It's just like the it other side of the is. same gift. Right. Right. Which holds just, yeah, it's the same gift. So it holds just as much value. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And if that means like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of spacey sometimes mm-hmm. like, okay. I mean, what, what you're describing, what c- comes up for me is like my relationship and my dynamic with my sister, who I will continue to bring up because she's like, she's an important the, part of your story. Absolutely. The biggest yeah. influence in my artist life and just my, my healing life in general. And, um, but, uh, like I would consider her and she would too. She has like the educational smarts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the information smarts and the logic smarts. Um, but she doesn't have the common sense smarts. Yeah. I have the common sense smarts, but I don't have like the educational words, logic smarts, right? Guess what? We need all of us. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And so for me, it's my world doesn't function without people like you. (laughs) Right. I, it it fall, I fall apart. Wholeness and integration, (laughs) right? right? It always comes back to that. Right. right? And then owning those parts of ourselves, which we all have it and reintegrating. Anyway, all comes back to that. But like the way that shows up with me and my sister, her 
lack of common senseness yeah. uh, triggers in me my um, fear of not being smart, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like her, it, it's just so maddening how annoyed I get at her um, lack of common sense. But really all that is, is me saying, Oh, it's rubbing up against my fear of not being smart enough. Right. And so then I judge her, but really it's just me judging me. Oh man. (laughs) I think about these things all (laughs) the time, even like, (laughs) even in, you know, I, so I went to this school in Texas. It's one of the best music schools in the world. And it is particularly for jazz, which is like, was what my, that's Mm -hmm. what my degrees are in. Um, one, like top two, three, four, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on the instrument maybe in the world. And, uh, And, you know, I'm at school with all of these incredibly talented young people. Mm -hmm. And even in that setting where you'd think, how niche is that? You know, we're (laughs) studying jazz music. Mm -hmm. Like, but even there, there was such a diversity of skills. And they're all really great skills. But I totally hear what you're saying. And I saw it there and I see it now as a teacher you know, someone's good at this thing and it's not enough for them to be good at that thing. There's this weird tendency to say like, okay, but the thing that I'm good at is really the thing, right? Because (laughs) like, you don't want to have to kind of go like, well, me being really good at this thing, like the other side of it is I'm kind of not that good at this other thing. Mm -hmm. And I can't just say, isn't it cool that I'm good at this thing and not that good at this other thing? (laughs) It has to be like, this other thing doesn't even let's take it off the table entirely. It's not important for me. It's not important for anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't mm-hmm. that what it is? Like we're trying to say like this type of intelligence is the only type of intelligence that matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's self-validation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which is just, it's just the other side of fear. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's, this is where like shadow work comes into play, mm-hmm. right? This is the parts of ourselves that we disowned or completely unacknowledge yeah. uh, because they don't show up in a way we right. think we they should or they don't show up at all. Write them out of the narrative entirely. Yeah. 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 Right. So but someone guess else. What? They're still there <laughs> like, lurking, <laughs> bothering you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They are still uh, dictating your decisions and <laughs> the way yeah. you go, whether you're aware of it or not, right. <laughs> you know, I'm so, um, I'm so there with you. And that is such creative work too. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think it's for me in my life and, and even in my teaching, it feels like the more creative work than like, Hey, let's teach you to sing in tune because <laughs> like, yeah, if you don't have that piece under control, I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't mean under control in like a, you know, but like mm-hmm. if you're not able to kind of go like, Hey, it's all right that I have these weaknesses you're going to really struggle in your career and in your life. Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and what you're talking about is the, uh, the integration of the logical and technical side of art. Yeah. yeah. And the sensitive, <laughs> right. like chaotic, like wild untamed thing that mm-hmm. some of us have, not mm-hmm. everybody. Some of us are artists in a way that's very structured. Mm-hmm. Some of us are artists in a way that's very like weird. Mm-hmm. You just got to let it be what it be. Right. It is what it is. And honestly, I think, again, this is what I always go back to is there is an infinite, incomprehensible, unlimited amount of ways that we are showing up and are allowed to show up. Yeah. It's bespoke. I've been, I mean, really, I've been thinking, uh, you, do you know that word? Bespoke. Maybe I know it because of weddings. (laughs) Um, Bespoke is like custom, like Uh, one, like one of a kind like created mm-hmm. specifically for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so people will talk about bespoke weddings cause they're like, it's yours. Um, sure. but, uh, 
but I think we each have a bespoke creativity. Like mm-hmm. you take all of the, um, you take all of the, the, you know, natural innate, whatever that you have, mm-hmm. which might be talent. It might be interest. And then you take the kind of the resources that you have been given, um, the environment that you are in and you mold your creativity there and we then you maybe decide like oh i'm gonna go to the usu and um study fine art painting and you find yourself in a classroom of other people who supposedly are like doing the same thing as you but you're doing like a grace specific thing uh-huh and there's just no there's no way around it mm-hmm. right there's and still no matching classmates it. is doing mm-hmm. their specific thing mm-hmm. right so, it's honestly kind of it's, nuts. <laughs> how no matter how much you teach. try yeah, to yeah. mimic or to be like someone else in life or as an artist, your uniqueness will inevitably yeah. shine. So you can either fight it or work with it. Well, let me ask you this. Does like the stuff that you're, you know, all the, like the, the philosophy and like life coach stuff, mm-hmm. does it feel like art in the same way that painting feels like art? Well, I mean, speaking of creativity, it absolutely feels creative yeah. in the sense of, um, I mean, when I'm sitting down with a client, I call myself, is, I'm an intuitive healer. It means I have to um, first find a groundedness and a presence and to listen and to listen to their stories and then to think, okay, what uh, approach to them is going to best serve them in this moment? Mm. You know? Mm. And so it's not like it's a conscious creative process, like mathematical <laughs> work up right. here, but it's just like then diving down into intuition. Okay, let's this is one way to solve this problem yeah. or not to solve it, but to, you know, present a modality that might help, right. you know, so I, let's go this direction or let's yeah. go this direction or let's regulate now, or let's talk more about this or let's challenge that false belief, yeah. you know? So it's, You've, it's many different things. Amazing. So, mm-hmm. but so how, how does it feel like the, the, um, the action of like, yeah, consulting that intuition, like listening creatively, like, trying to kind of like, how does that feel similar to or different from like painting? Oh yeah. Like what's the relation? Like, is there a through line between those things? Are they totally different? Are they separate expressions of your creativity? Like I, I'd, I'd love to know, like, um, I'd love to know too. Let's yeah. think about this. <laughs> Let's think about it. Well, and then I wanted to, maybe while you're thinking, like uh-huh. I'll talk a little more so you can think about that. Sure. Um, <laughs> I wanted to also ask about soccer because one thing that I've been asking, like a lot of my guests recently about mm-hmm. like their different passions is this question. Like, do they feel the same? Like, mm-hmm. are they lighting up a similar part of your brain? Are they satisfying like a similarly shaped need or interest? Um, like if these are kind of like three things that you have been like passionate about, like why (laughs) are they related or is it compartmentalized? Is it like, well, this serves me in this way and this serves me in this way and this serves me in this other way. Um, I think there is some of that. Sure. Um, but also there is overlap. I'm sure. Tell me which is which. (laughs) Do you want to go back to the first question? Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, you're asking if they feel similar. Yeah. Right. My coaching versus my art. Yeah. And if I approach them similarly. versus soccer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. versus soccer too. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then it's all the same question anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I think then soccer does serve a specific purpose in that I am a highly, uh, body center person. I don't know if you speak Enneagram. 
Um, I'm a five wing four. Hello. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I don't know that much about it, but I know that. Okay, great. <laughs> Hello, five. I'm a nine. I'm a peacemaker. Okay. Great. But it really, my, my point Hello. is. <laughs> I also speak Myers-Briggs. Oh, good. Oh, I recently met a friend who, who just knows that beyond I thought was comprehensible. Like, I speak like I'm a little, so impressed. I speak a tiny bit of Myers-Briggs. <laughs> I speak a little I bit of astrology. Much. I speak a little bit of whatever languages, you know, the people that I like. Just speak. enough to yeah. relate to someone yep. who knows it. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Well, yeah. then, uh, Enneagram, yeah. uh, I am a body center type. Okay. Right? Cool. So we have a heart center, mind center, and body center. I'm okay. a body center. Okay. Um, and so that means I how that shows up for me is I could be highly restless. And mm. I also just, I, my body, I need action, active yeah. action. You have to move. And have to be active. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if I'm triggered or something, it often shows up as restlessness. I see. Um, and I'm also a very action oriented person. So is it almost like doing something like soccer lets you access other parts of yourself because you've satisfied that? Um, Maybe that's too like reductive. No. Oh no, it's just like I, a I, theory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I'd say sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, it it um it serves a need and enables me to give attention to other needs. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and then what is it with like the other with like the the painting, the visual art and like the kind of um life coach practice? Like mm-hmm. are there relationships there? I mean, art I think was um an outlet probably in greater ways than I realize. Sure. Um, especially as I started to get into conceptual, conceptual work, but mostly abstract work. And that's where it started to bridge cool. greatly between like, uh, using creativity as a healing tool. Yeah. Tell me, um, tell me more. So with like my clients or with people, I used to teach art lessons as well. And one of my favorite things that I would do with kids or adults, um, is, it just to warm up or as an exercise is I would cut out a bunch of paper for them and we'd watercolor. And I'd say, okay, you're going to paint this piece of paper, but do not include any form. Yeah. No form. Okay. No words, no people, no animals, no nature, no trees, no anything. Just paint brushstrokes, color, fill it. Yeah. And you would not be, oh my gosh, how difficult that was for people to do was like so surprising. Yeah. Right. So how attached we are to form and how that defines our identity. Right. Yeah. So, um, being able to detach from what we've been conditioned to give our attention to or our identity on, um, and just to create for the sake of creating without caring how it's going to look just to notice what it feels like to put a brushstroke to paper. What it feels like. We right? totally forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. And I, I will tell you, in my experience, the kids had an easier time. <laughs> yeah. Do, than adults, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Than yeah. adults. Well, <laughs> I, I talk about similar things with singing. Like, just produce a sound. Like, just... <laughs> right? feel it and allow it to be it's what it is so as it shows difficult up. for people mm-hmm. why do you think like can you elaborate on like the way in which like our identities are attached to form like what what of um, what of it i mean yeah that just comes down to ego work right um a form if we can attach ourselves to a specific form uh that feels then we can prescribe some kind of identity from it exactly. rather than this abstract right. nuance or nothingness. Yeah. You know, we've come into this physical world. So really that's, I mean, that's part of the human condition. It's really what we're supposed to do. Right. But yeah. then to notice how attached we are and right. then to try to detach. So do you think it's like, 
do you think it's something like, well, if I draw a frog, that might that might say something about me, and maybe that's mm-hmm. something that I'd feel comfortable about. And if right. we're for, free form, form free, <laughs> then it's like I don't know what this says about me, and that's vulnerable. Is it? Uh, is it the unknown like that? is terrifying, no matter what, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. The unknown is always scary, right? So I'd rather uh, create and attach to what I know, even if. Um, I don't create what I expect good art looks like, right? I'd rather paint something bad in form and then feel great pain about it rather than address or paint something unknown. Yeah. You know? That's um, so crazy, though, just thinking about a piece of paper, brush strokes, mm-hmm. tapping it, like <laughs> triggering people like that. It, it absolutely, That's well, I crazy. Mean, perfectionism is like the one number one things, right? We and struggle this, with that here mm-hmm. in this culture. Absolutely. I mean, everywhere, but it's, it's an extra dose here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I think it, it certainly has a correlation to, yeah. um, a highly religious, yeah. uh, at least the way that this one shows up or has shown up yeah. in the past. You know, yeah. I think people are, are again, growing out of it. Thank heavens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. In and out of the religion. And I that's think wonderful. So too. Um, that's so wonderful. But yeah, even like even like it children shouldn't be, it shouldn't be terrifying to fill up a page with color which like it, it, it should, <laughs> it, should yeah. it should be freeing and relaxing and yeah. liberating like and and just so grounding yeah. right and that's what i tried to get people to tap into Same and it just takes singing. practice i mean singing mm-hmm. is like it's in our dna like mm-hmm. it's evolved with us as as creatures mm-hmm. um humans have one of the most versatile voices in all of the animal kingdom and when people can't, I mean, I've had students who come for private singing lessons mm-hmm. who like are mute in like, they cannot even, they cannot even make a vocalization because they are so terrified that yeah. it won't be good. Mm-hmm. It's devastating. Right. Well, it's also probably one of the most powerful practices. Yeah. For someone like that, because I would suspect that it has something to do with their throat chakra, and yeah. they were told they shouldn't have a voice a long time oh, yeah. ago. You know, whatever it is, yep. they, they were disempowered in some way. Make noise, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Be quiet as a kid, like you know. Be quiet as a woman. Be quiet as a woman. Hello. I mean, yes. the women struggle with this. Women mm-hmm. and gay men yep. struggle with this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like your voice is not permitted. Mm-hmm. Straight, right. straight men don't have this problem. No, they have other ones. I mean, in voice lessons, mm-hmm. in my like anecdotal experience, which now I have 12 years of it, gay men and, and all women struggle with this and, wow. and straight men struggle with it less. That's amazing. Yeah. Weird, huh? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I'm really interested in this kind of stuff, though, because you, I can't ignore it. I mean, like mm-hmm. it, it's just there in front of me in a way that's like yeah, we can talk about like breath production and like, you know, like pharynx control, but like this problem is somewhere else. Like this Mm -hmm. problem is in your psyche. Well, again, that's where the overlap comes. Right. Okay. So we talked about uh, soccer and art now healing work and spiritual psychology, which is the root of anything else I do over here anyway. Right. Or my ability to do anything else over here anyway. You can't separate it. You you cannot. Yeah. Right. Which again, is why I was so drawn to it because it was affecting, you know, my family and how functional or dysfunctional we were, yeah. you know, or how functional and dysfunctional the religion was or the society or my hobby over here or yeah. my friends. Like, can I ask you to talk like, about like what in your visual art, in your artwork, mm-hmm. like what, 
what were and are like the fears or like, like how, how are these themes? How have you, what sorts of things have you come up against like in your art that you're Um, kind of like, I gotta, I gotta keep an eye on this. Yeah. Or if you feel like sharing. Um, well, well, tell me more, keep an eye on this. Like what kind of things? Well, like, (laughs) I mean, for me, I think a lot of like my issues in art have been, um, like I, I've often had, um, struggles as a singer in particular, like this isn't a songwriting thing as much, but as a singer in particular, um, giving myself permission to do anything other than pretty, Mm. you know, to do anything other than sweet. Uh Um, and it's obvious why that, I mean, it's obvious for me, like it's my particular family trauma. It's kind of like these gender role things. Um, but giving myself, myself permission to even sing like rock music, you know, like even things that are just like, there's nothing edgy about it. It's don't stop believing, but like, how do I get my voice to do that? You know, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, or in my writing, you know, like, broaching themes that I feel like maybe I'm not allowed to or imposter syndrome, you know, like what's the name of the imposter syndrome? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, cause you don't have to be book smart to paint. No. So I know no. It's, n- it's not necessarily only that. Right. No, it's yeah. not necessarily only that, <laughs> but I mean, I would say, yeah, a lot of my imposter syndrome does roam around my intelligence, especially showing up in spaces like this. But when it comes to my art, um, I mean, I know I'm good and I can paint anything. Yeah. <laughs> I can paint anything I want, really. So maybe that's but things, always been safer. That's funny you say that, for sure, because this is an idea that I came across recently, mm. um, or at least realized recently, is that there is an aspect of myself because I don't feel smart enough that I am hiding behind my art. Mm-hmm. I've always been good at it. It's, it's, you know, I've done it my whole life. I've always been a natural, you know, I can paint just about anything. Yeah. It's gotten me a job, like a career, um, you I, know, so as long as I'm good at that and continue yeah. to pursue that, I don't have to open this door over here of that will hit up against my pain right. or my prison walls over here that right. will hit up against my pain, yeah. you know? So that's well said. I mean, well, maybe that's part of the function that it serves. You know, if you're going like, well, soccer does this for me and visual art, like is a safe mm-hmm. place. Like mm-hmm. visual art is a place where like my like scariest stuff mm-hmm. doesn't really be there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I would love for my visual art to be a tool to bring forth yeah. some of that pain. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And um, I don't think I've, I've completely utilized it as a tool for that yet. Not because yeah. I don't want to or I think I'm scared of it, but just because, I don't know, I have How therapy to, for that. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. I have a whole other bunch of old modalities I know for well, that. Who says it has to be? I mean, yeah, it no, doesn't. Not at all. I'm like, again, I'm a really <laughs> firm believer that like people's art can mean whatever it wants. But mm-hmm. I mean, I named this podcast Artifice because I think people would make assumptions that are different. Like I think people mm. would assume that like most artists are having a lot of feelings about their art. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an assumption. Yeah. And so to say, like, I don't have that many feelings about this. Mm-hmm. I have feelings about these other things, but these aren't where the feelings are. I think that's also just like an important thing to say out loud as a demystifying of like, you're a creative person, you're an artful person, but like the vulnerable parts of your creativity aren't in the visual art, maybe, mm-hmm. which is like 
cool. I mean, that's a cool thing to say out loud. Yeah. It doesn't need to be permanent. You know, it can be whatever you want, but. No, and I absolutely love that. And that is like, again, that's validates and gives me permission because I have never felt, I don't think that strongly about my art. Yeah, cool. (laughs) I know I'm good at it and I really enjoy doing it. I think that's great. Yeah. It's radical. It's radical mm -hmm. to just claim that Mm -hmm. and say like, this isn't like, this isn't this like big vulnerable, Mm -hmm. whatever. That's Mm -hmm. a, that's awesome. I mean, I, yeah, I certainly like dabbled. Like I love the idea of conceptualizing ideas and feelings of mine and I have put them into paintings, but not in a hugely deep feeling way, the way I think and again, this comes down to personality type the way I think a heart center person would, Yeah, you know, or a feeling well, center person would. Your bespoke creativity again. You're like, right. I mean, you're just, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what it's all about for me. Like mm-hmm. use creativity to like be your best self, mm-hmm. like use creativity to like be, you know, the change in like your little community to like affect the positive change that you can. Um, right. And I think, you know, like you said, it gives you permission and is validating, but saying these things out loud is also giving permission and validating other people who are like, I've never heard an artist say that. Mm -hmm. Like, I've never heard an artist say like, this isn't where I put that. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. Right. It's like a part of the story that should like absolutely be told. So I think that's great. Yeah. It's breaking the stereotype of the broken emotional Yes. Starving artists. Oh, this is what I was kind of trying to talk about Mm -hmm. at the beginning. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have these stereotypes and people expect artists to fit into them Mm -hmm. and it's just bullshit. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. No. Um, there are people, I think, especially like now more than ever with a kind of influencer culture, there are people who like their kind of brand like is the art Mm -hmm. and they'll talk about themselves like they're artists, but they don't actually make that much art. Like the thing that they're creating is like this aspirational Mm -hmm. character um, or, you know, whatever they're living their life in kind of this porous, like artful way. And I also think like, great, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's great. And then there are those of us who have, who like you create so much product, like, I shop in the Harmons where you like, I mean, the reason that I got your name is like, I went to get a COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there in their little room and I'm like, this is really just a nice thing that you guys have here for people to look at all the landscapes. Yeah. For people to look at while they're in this uncomfortable room. Mm -hmm. And they were like, Oh yeah. Like all the Harmons, pretty much all the Harmons have a full-time artist. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then I thought like, well, this is stupid that I've never wondered about this because I, Emily Merrill have been walking through that Harmon's for years, have seen all the paintings, have had the thought, I wonder who does those Uh and have never thought, I wonder who does those. You are not the only one. I'm sure. Like talk to me about it. I get that. What do you think about it? I hear this. I hear this story uh, often. Um, I should have known. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm looking for art everywhere I go. I'm like, I'm I'm thinking about like the deli cheese guy and going like, I wonder if he's an artist, you know, like, (laughs) like, but what? Why? Ridiculous. But I think it's because of this like programming that we're taught to like, mm-hmm. we're taught to like accept certain expressions of art and not others or something or, sure, or to at consider least to, them yeah, art. Look out for them or uh, we just don't uh, register them. Yes. <laughs> and especially like the, the signs at Harmon's, um, a lot of people think they're mass produced whether they're handmade or not. Yeah. You know, it's just an assumption. And, yeah. um, so there's no further inquiry there. Wait, um, did you say mass produced whether they're handmade or not? Uh, yeah. I mean, what uh, does people that mean? have asked, like if like, there's a template, it's like a, if it's like a 
stencil or something? Um, Is like that what you mean? they're just made by like decor works. That's where we get like the printed signs that oh, I, I have to go through they're and replace. Like digital somehow. Yeah, digital. Okay. I see. Digitally I see. produced. So people will go in there and they'll see my artwork and be like, oh, I just assumed they were making those they're for all the printing stores. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, somehow. Yeah. And I'm like, well, great. It's nice. It's that sharp. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but actually, I want the hand painted that. look. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so. Um, but yeah, before I found the job, I did not know it was a thing. Wow. I, I, I don't know if I shopped at Harmon's much before that either, <laughs> but, um, I, I think I, I did. Okay, I lived right by one, but, um, I didn't notice. Yeah. I did not notice. You as a painter so, didn't notice. That's uh-huh. nuts. Yeah. Like, why? What is that? That's I crazy. Well, also it's kind of in an unexpected environment. This mm. is like Harmon's is one of the only grocery stores who does this. Whole yeah. Foods used to do it. Trader Joe's has done it for years. Cool. And they're national. Um, but they're like the only ones I could think of. Yeah. I think, um, other stores might be catching on and starting to do it. It's cool. So people are starting to look out for it. Yeah. Um, people are starting to, um, you know, like come find me and notice, um, and to notice all the other artists at the other stores. Um, so they're catching on, but yeah, it's just not, what is it like for you to do those things? If not, you know, this vulnerable, like if you're not having kind of that imposter syndrome when you're, you know, drawing like Nick Offerman, (laughs) like what like what is it what does it feel like um uh, just to be painting all day long to paint what I want yeah um I mean it's just that job it's it's very ideal in that sense in that I get to sit in my studio all day long and I get to think of signs to make and holes to fill right some of them are requests some of them are just holes I want to fill or they're references I want to make yeah (laughs) Do you think about it in themes? Like, are you thinking about, I mean, cause there are lots of like comedy actors, uh-huh. right. In, yeah. in your work. Is that something that was like, were you given that instruction or is that your idea? Like, tell me about that. I have very little direction or instruction or management. Amazing. <laughs> like none, none whatsoever. If people have some ideas every now and then they'll come to me like, Hey, I'd love a sign with this reference. And I'd be like, I don't know that one. And I don't know how to make it work, but I'll think about so it. So you're, you're <laughs> but, drawing, uh, you're, you're painting like actors a lot mm-hmm. of the time right mm-hmm. um and like m- writing text that kind of like references things their characters mm-hmm. maybe would have said yeah how did you get that idea oh a lot of some of them just come to me with this is funny this is what I always say yeah uh I grew up watching a good amount of tv yeah and I remember I remember excuse me my dad uh really hating that <laughs> yeah sure you know and yeah. really um trying to get us to watch less tv and, um, which I think is fair. I don't blame him for it at all, but, sure. um, <laughs> but also but like, now I'm like, are enriching <laughs> right? Absolutely. comedy, yeah, like well-written comedy, mm-hmm. like the kind of stuff that it seems like you're watching and kind of putting into that art. Mm-hmm. I asked you before about like con- taking in media and I, I wasn't even thinking about that, but like, I mean, certainly like your art is being influenced by like other people's art, which is oh, cool. Constantly. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the other artists at Harmon's like we're, we're we're influencing each other. We love each other's styles. We love the signs other people make. And it's just fun to see. And it's like, yeah. so it's fun to see how they did things differently and things like that. But like growing up, you know, I, watch, I don't think I watch more than anybody else, but sure. um, I just like to joke with my dad, be like, ha, ah, I've used my education well. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's coming to play. Like, and he, he loves the work I do. He absolutely does. Do you, but um, he's so proud. Do you do <laughs> other visual art besides Harmon's or like what else have mm-hmm. you done in your career visual art? Um, I mean, I, 
Oh, I've dabbled in so much. I've always done commissioned work, which included um, portraits. Yeah. Couples portraits, family portraits, single portraits, pet, pet portraits. portraits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I do more of now is pet portraits and less people portraits. Um, and then I started to get into landscapes, which I am loving more and more. Cool. Uh, I just, yeah. Um, and now since I started Harmon's, you know, calligraphy and pop culture references yeah. and more portraits. Thank cool. heavens. So, um, how did you develop like your style? Um, like the style that you're using there, I guess it definitely, it definitely has a voice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I do have a particular style and it is recognizable. And I think I just have used the exact same paint palette, like my entire life. Yeah. I found colors that I love and I've just stuck with them. And so they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, but my style, I, you know, I don't really know how to answer that question. I just kept doing it and this is what it developed into, cool. you know, I love it. That's um, great. Yeah. Oh, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I've dabbled in a lot is, um, travel art. Cool. And this is where my sister comes in to do. I know. Right. Um, this is something I don't get to, uh, share as much about yeah just because it's so niche. (laughs) (laughs) This is very niche. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and share. Um, but my sister, Tessa started this, that is her name. She started it and I started doing it because she did. Um, I remember the very first, uh, travel art piece she did. She was in new Orleans. She painted, she was on a plantation. She painted this building, the plantation building and the house and then the trees lining up to it. And then she tore out, uh, the edges of it and then she held it up and took a picture. Okay. Right. So it was in place of it. Right. And, um, and so we started to do that together. We would travel together and we would collaborate on art pieces together and we'd hold them up in the places that we are. And, um, anyway, so we started to plain air photograph. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it started to like, yeah, just interact with the environment that you wouldn't regularly or with art that you wouldn't normally. So, um, yeah. So we just started to do that as we traveled. and And that's mostly something you just do for yourself. Yeah. Do you love traveling? Yeah. What, tell me about that. Like, how does that like kind of stoke the creative, you know, fire? Um, again, I mean, uh, bringing art into it, it allows us to interact with our environment in this place we've never been in a way that we wouldn't otherwise, Yeah. you know, so to really pay attention to this place yeah. um, and what it looks like and what it feels like, and then to try to create something out of it. It's almost like an awareness practice or something. Oh, like, sure. Like I'm going to really see this place. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really look at it and. I'll make myself really look at it by creating this art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's Um, a narrative, but it feels nice. (laughs) No, I take it. I fully accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we, we grew up traveling um, because my dad loves, loves to travel and something he instilled in us. We got the bug from him. Is it something that you're like, are you curious about like different cultures, curious about different places? Like what does the, what is the thing that you're after? You know, I, personally am not a highly curious person when it comes to that kind of thing sure um I highly value it yeah it's just not my that's okay yeah what, what is my it, initial why, intention. Are, why do you like traveling um I think you know it's it's the novelty and finding something else honestly beauty keeps coming to mind mm, just for it. the sake of beauty yeah <laughs> finding so something incredible landscapes architecture mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah absolutely I mean I think that's amazing like mm-hmm. um I, I've been talking about this on the podcast a ton but I, I just read this book that I 
loved. It's called um, Your Brain on Art. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a, have you heard of it? No. It's like a neuroscience book, but it's kind of about like the arts. And it talks about aesthetic awareness being like, you know, um, I don't, I'm not sure like how to say this, but like, you know, we think about like all the different like types of skills that you kind of need to be a well-rounded human. Like, mm-hmm. and it kind of presents aesthetic awareness as like one of those things, like mental yeah. health, aesthetic awareness uh-huh. and like we are designed to be beauty seeking creatures like we i mean designed is maybe the wrong word but like we we've evolved to be beauty seeking creatures mm-hmm. and beauty has a huge impact on our health our mental yeah. health our physical health and so i think that's amazing like beauty seeking is like that's very powerful well i absolutely love that because again it gives us permission and women in particular permission to tap into beauty in all kinds of ways aesthetically uh makeup homes yes like however to the extent that they want to pursue it yeah because i feel like like even i don't know oh what's the word uh surgery yeah yeah (laughs) you know yeah pursuing beauty in that way like I had a, there's value and there's value in it. Totally. I had right? a gum graft surgery a couple of years ago uh-huh. and the, the periodontist is a woman mm-hmm. and she was always saying like, oh, this is really pretty. And I <laughs> loved that. I just mm-hmm. felt like, yes, like, mm-hmm. why can't we like, why can't we just talk about beauty? Like, right. Because we've been shamed. <laughs> well, I mean, like, when you were talking at the very beginning it. about like the kind of divide between the men and the women. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking I'm dealing with these same things. Like my husband's family in, in my family, I think the men actually do care about beauty because my family's very like, um, like we will present perfection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so our homes will be perfect and our yards will be perfect and our children will look beautiful. Uh, so, you know, that's maybe like, whatever, but my husband's family, like the women are all artists. Like my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. she's a piano teacher. Um, my older sister-in-law is, was a ballerina. I'm a singer. Like the, the, the younger women in the family maybe kind of break that mold, but like the three, the three like oldest women in the family are all like professional artists. And, um, yeah, there's like this, there's this definite like disdain in the family for beauty that's like not functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for pursuing beauty for the sake of beauty. Yeah. Or, and, and we, you know, we put words on it like, because it's inauthentic, you yeah. know, or, or if it's not real, it's, it's not fake. Practical, it's not or practical. It's not practical. It's not a good use of money. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Right. And it's funny that I butt up against this recently too with my sister because uh, we're, we're, messing with starting like a TikTok cool. uh, one together. And, um, and so we're messing with like the kind of content we'll produce and things like that. And, um, so we've been practicing and she put a filter on one of our TikToks and it was like a really fun, beautiful, like cartoon one. Yeah. And, um, so that rubbed up against me because I'm like, well, I don't want to be inauthentic not enough yeah, yeah. that you've got oh, that certainly. you've got that like i'm enough thing that you're really trying to be true to mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah like i'm i'm actively trying to that really move towards to enoughness as mm. i am and how i look now right. right you know especially as i mean age is a delicate thing and we have so many feelings around it I know. you know so many feelings so that's part of it i don't want to move further away from it yeah right oh and, i, I um, totally hear you and she totally agrees with me but also like her stance was hey this thing that we're doing is hard 
And so whatever we can do to make it a little bit easier on us on how we show up, let's do it. If making us look prettier or feeling better in our beauty helps us do that, let's do it. You know, I'm like, oh, permission. I love it. Permission to use filters, permission to... And yeah, to express ourselves and to explore those things. I think especially if we talk about it, if mm-hmm. we just say like, this filter is so pretty. Mm-hmm. I just like looking at it. Yeah. Um, earlier, so in like, this will be, this, your episode will be in season nine, but I just finished recording season eight. And among the episodes in, in that season, one are these, these twin sisters who, um, they make mermaid tails. Have you seen those like on Instagram, like the we've swimmable mermaid it. tails? Oh, they actually really? make them. Yeah, we, we've done like paper ones out of our travel art. But uh, yeah, I've no, seen those. No, their whole business mm-hmm. is like silicone mermaid tails. Amazing. And we talked a lot about beauty mm-hmm. and femininity and what it means like, you know, in kind of a patriarchal space to mm-hmm. like, and, you know, dis- like reclaiming beauty. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, And then I also interviewed like a pole dancer and we talked about really similar things. And I, I'm, I'm so here too, like just reclaiming this beauty and being like, I don't have to do this. This isn't for someone else, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like I'm allowed to like follow beauty. And, Mm -hmm. and if some of like my ideas around beauty have been shaped by like a patriarchal culture and a male gaze, Okay. Well, they have. So, <laughs> right. But am I shaping these ideas from that gaze or yeah. am I shaping them from a place of I'm enough, whether I do this or not. So I feel complete freedom and permission to explore yes. them yeah, regardless of someone else's gaze on it. Right. <laughs> yes. Know? Like mm-hmm. what is my gaze on it? Right. And my gaze on it is this cartoon filter is really pretty and really fun. Right. Yeah. As and long as I know I'm though. enough without it. Right. Great. And that's a constant, <laughs> that's a constant question mm-hmm. i i feel the same way like mm-hmm. you know w- w- how do we cultivate a brand because that is also important to like if we believe in ourselves as female artists as mm-hmm. a life coach as a business owner as you know whatever like you you also owe it to yourself to like participate in marketing <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you want to um but to feel like well yeah. i'm an artist i'm not allowed to market or like i'm an artist i'm not allowed to have this brand I mean, all of those things, they come from these false binaries, these false compartmentalizations. I don't know that we've just Mm got to have better tools for like Mm -hmm. dealing with them. All things we've picked up from someone else. Yeah. (laughs) And things that have yeah been presented Mm -hmm. to us as a false, a false narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least a narrative that like, I even feel like the idea, like there are facts and there is truth, but like so much of it is just like what do you want? Like, <laughs> what is your preference? I think there's more nuance than ultimate truth in this world. Yes. I think so <laughs> and that's too. where art comes in. <laughs> yes. Do right? you want to say and more the power about that? Of, of women really? Yeah. Um, power of women. Poof. Right. Yes. Which, you know, hence the suppression of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have much more to say about that, but it's just, it's, it's again, it just all comes back to the, reintegration and wholeness of every aspect of ourselves which men have the work to do too yes oh yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. well and I see it so often I see it so often in my male students in Mm -hmm. male artists that I know like you know depending on what kind of an environment they grew up in like they're struggling against these same principles just from the other side absolutely um yeah. We are not the only victims of patriarchy. Amen. Right? Yeah. A, amen. Yeah. I, I did <laughs> want to say like something you said made me think of this. It's kind of like a tangent, but I recently read this book, um, men explain things to me, which is like, it's a, it's a feminist, it's like a radical feminist book. But, mm. um, but I, I, 
so the you know the this book men explain things to me um started out as like an article and then people like mansplaining kind of came Mm -hmm. after this book she didn't invent the term but like the the book kind of led to like the evolution of this term Mm -hmm. but i expected the book to talk a lot about the ways in which like women have been harmed um one thing that i did not expect there was like a whole chapter in the book about art and um the ways in which like like she kind of talked about how like you know women are sewing the canvases and women are like but like women are not like women weren't allowed weren't allowed to paint in like western a lot of western countries Mm -hmm. like it was like illegal (laughs) wow or like you couldn't sell paintings maybe i don't know (laughs) maybe there's some things but Mm -hmm. just like the what what um what has happened to our culture because women haven't been allowed to make art. Uh-huh. <laughs> Crazy. So even the men were the only ones allowed to claim this aspect of themselves, their yeah. artistic essence, whatever it is. Right. Crazy. And then now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the, now we're the only ones allowed to claim it, but we're shamed for it. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's the same thing as like, you know, if you think about like the vast majority of like paid chefs are male, mm-hmm. but like the vast majority of cooking in the country is done by women. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another one of these things that's just like th- who who's allowed to have the kind of clout for the thing versus mm-hmm. who's allowed to like have a love for the thing. Uh, it's right. very well. And again, like, you know, I call the podcast artifice because there are so many unknowns. Mm-hmm. And as much as like the way that we think about art in the present day, the way we think about beauty in the present day in America, maybe mm-hmm. um, it, it's not coming out of nowhere. Like <laughs> these things are, you know, tied to all sorts of historical events and, you know, propaganda and whatever. But then like your art, my art also complete like tied to completely different things Mm -hmm. and i'm really interested in like demystifying as much of that as we can which i think gives each individual permission to kind of claim like you don't have to be an artist to claim Mm -hmm. that stuff and i think even you saying like the 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 stuff that people would call my art Mm -hmm. is maybe not the stuff that i'm the most creative about Mm-mm. that's radical right <laughs> yeah well yeah great Absolutely. what else do you want to talk about like were there other things like on the kind of prompts list that you thought like i have thoughts about this like what are the things that you're worried you'll go home and be like why didn't i say that oh honey i think i had thoughts about <laughs> most of them so i don't know where to start <laughs> I mean, is, is there anything like right in this moment that you think like has been kind of like left unsaid because um, we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes is that normal yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, it really does fly. Oh my god. And yeah, I think I, I absolutely could just talk about this. I could go on and on. Yeah. Um but um I don't know. Right now I think the the biggest thing that's coming up for me right now yeah. and we've already talked about it, but I really just want to nail it in is just this idea of wholeness and reintegration, but allowing ourselves to show up exactly as we are, exactly as it is. Yeah. Which applies to women and it applies to artists and it applies to gay men, gay women, everyone on the spectrum of that. Yeah. Um, the whole com- LGBTQ community, yeah. um, you know, or even just everyone, men. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just every single human being it is, there is no one right way to show up in this world. Yeah. And so there's complete permission and unlimited ways to show up yeah. and to be completely valuable (laughs) you know valuable worthy valued and worthy and lovable yeah it's unlimited do you want to like just say any of kind of like your 
like how you think, I mean, maybe you kind of just did, but like mm-hmm. how you think about wholeness and integration, like do you have any like kind of favorite principles or like strategies for, for thinking about that? Or like, what does it mean to be like integrated? Like just, you know, do you want to share any of like your very valuable wisdom um, on these subjects? What it means to be integrated. Just I like, mean, what do you know the, about it? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, the process is messy and complex. Yeah. <laughs> kind of fun. And always yeah, kind of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what, that's what grew the passion, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is so exciting. Yeah. Hope. <laughs> yes. It's hopeful. Yeah. And so, um, why do you think integration is important versus like, um, like for me, I, one thing I've been thinking about a ton lately, so much lately is like integrating my religious upbringing, like integrating yeah. my Mormonism rather than like demonizing or yeah. Or like trying to just shove it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just one example, but like why, like, so I believe that like this institution was harmful to me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I feel Absolutely. pretty comfortable with the idea that, um, kind of depends on your family. <laughs> like it kind of depends on how it was like presented to you. And I think there mm-hmm. are healthier types of Mormonism than Mm -hmm. what I was raised in. But for me, I feel pretty confident saying this was trauma. This was like a vehicle Mm -hmm. for trauma in my family. It was a tool that my family used to traumatize us and to control us. And I feel like I have an idea of why it's important for me to integrate that versus cutting it off. But like, Mm -hmm. why do you think it's important? Well, I mean, one, I think you're absolutely right. That kind of comes down to the family. Uh, Mine, my mom was a um, convert. Okay. And so yeah. I think we had more space. You had a little balance. Yeah. yeah. We had a bit, a bit more space and then she left soon after, you know, so, um, we had permission yeah. to explore and to grow. Yeah. Um, but why it's so important like in general, I think it just as one example, like why is it important to, to integrate something that you'd rather keep in <laughs> <Not> the shadows? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, therein lies yeah. the biggest question yeah. of all of healing work, right? Yes. Why please, do we move towards the dark instead of just continually to, yeah. to move towards the light? What is it? Right. Um, cause the idea is that if we shove one, it's, it's a part of ourselves. Yeah. Your Mormonism is a part of your journey and it affected you. Yeah. So it has to be acknowledged and admitted yeah. and seen. Yeah. Right. Um, you can't necessarily address that. If you know you shove it away and you put right. it down here in the shadow, right. um, but it, it is absolutely affecting you still. Piece that's uh, mm-hmm. nameless, faceless, yeah, lurking, right? But still affecting you. Still there. Still yeah, there. Still totally showing still, up every day. Mm-hmm. Has a voice, just one you don't really have control over, right? Right. <laughs> right. right. So uh, right. the point of shadow work, right, is is becoming aware of those parts of ourselves that we shoved away in order to survive in our family system or our religious system yeah. or whatever, you know, the socioeconomic the system. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The system that we grew up in. Yeah. Right. It's all about survival and what we had to do as kids. Yeah. Right. And so, but as adults, that doesn't serve us anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, and you probably know a lot of this already too. Um, but I think it's great to hear you talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's great good. for the listeners. I think mm-hmm. like, it's really nice. Like I'm not oh, an good. expert. So like, I mean, I, me being like, well, I read this book is like, it's different from you saying it. I mean, I don't know. That's really what I do too. But yeah. Oh, I still but, uh, I mean, it a I, lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I Absolutely. Think I think you can claim that. Oh, thank I think you. You can claim like a, like a, like a higher wisdom in this field. Thank you. I will claim it. Yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of my work yeah. <laughs> is I claiming it. Absolutely. I hear you. It's hard. It is brave. And that's, that's where the imposter syndrome comes in. I feel the same way, Mm -hmm. like in other things, but I mean, it's, I, I was watching my husband and I were watching the last of us last week. Like we finally, it's the mushroom one. 
like the mushroom. mushroom zombies. <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah. It's based on a video game and it's like um, okay. everybody like has been infected with like these mushrooms mm-hmm. that like um, make you a zombie, whatever. That's mm-hmm. the concept. But I <laughs> like we're just picture it like we're binging. We're watching this show for like many hours. Um, and uh, I say to Andrew, my husband, I was like, what do you think about bravery? <laughs> and he just like started laughing. I was like, don't laugh at me. What do you think about bravery? And he was like, I just it just came out of nowhere. But I'm like, no, it didn't. Because what I'm thinking as I'm watching is this is like, these are these very like kind of masculinized, um, like, uh, what's the word? Like archetypes mm-hmm. of bravery. Yeah. But then I was just thinking like, I feel real brave lately, <laughs> but I'm not represented here. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's like really scary. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Did I interrupt you? Were you saying something about Oh yeah, back to the no. I mean, one. I absolutely relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> it is scary. I feel pretty right? brave lately. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's because uh, our our power as women, which isn't the the stereotype for bravery, is you know the power of vulnerability and moving towards this pain, right? And that might be yeah. what you're speaking to is facing some fears. Oh yeah, that are vulnerable. I feel like I just like swim in fear all day. <laughs> I just live well, let's in talk fear about all anxiety. The- Do you want to? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I would absolutely love let's to. Do it, but please. Um, what I was saying before, though, is that when we have we put parts of ourselves in the shadow, mm. um, and then it's still affecting us. But what people don't know is not only do we put the parts of ourselves that we think are ugly or we don't think anyone should see, mm-hmm. we put the parts of ourselves that are light that are golden that are shining in mm. order to survive into mm-hmm. the shadow mm. it's called the golden shadow Tell so literally more. we put that part of ourselves away um because it wouldn't fit into the family system yeah. or wouldn't fit the role that you grew up in yeah. right because someone else was shining or someone else had all the lights right yeah. whatever it is so that's the work i had to do mm. um not necessarily i mean to become a successful artist i think was some of it but mostly um, to step into my potential yeah. as a coach, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, is yeah. to bring forth, Oh, my intelligence <laughs> was actually in that shadow. Right. right? Um, because I, you know, grew up having to play small and be small yeah. and not know that enough was the story in that order was the story to survive. You were put into, mm-hmm. that was the role you were asked to play. Right. So I have to show up in spaces like this that terrify me. Yeah in order to reclaim my intelligence. Yeah. Right. But I have to hit up against the fear. <laughs> oh man. Right? It's, so, I, so, it's so relatable. Anxiety. It's, it's so relatable. I actually mm-hmm. just like, I wrote an essay last night. Mm-hmm. I just write essays sometimes. You could call it a blog post. You could call it like a newsletter, but like they're essays. Um, I took on that. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very long winded. So whatever. It's just the truth. <laughs> like could. I said, it's one of those things that's like, you can't, you can't get like this without the long windedness. Like mm-hmm. it, it, this is just, this is part of myself that I've chosen to accept. Right. <laughs> um, but right. I was As just, I was just writing about this last night, like just these ways in which like there are penalties for showing up as your best self. And it's mm-hmm. so scary. Like, I think for me, a lot of it is like, I'm so fucking terrified that if I show up as my best self, it still won't be enough, you know? And it's right. easier to kind of dim it a little because then I can explain a rejection, <laughs> you know, or something like yeah. that. Then it makes sense. <laughs> or I'm so worried that like showing up as my sparkliest self will put a target on my back because 
I was raised by a narcissistic woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and when I was really smart and when I was really talented, Mm -hmm. it was very threatening to her, Mm -hmm. you know, but I totally hear that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So not only are there fears of false self-beliefs coming true, but there's actual fears of physical danger. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And there's all kinds of fears and reasons why we put those parts of ourselves away. And there's usually many. Yeah. And for many different reasons and from many different experiences. Right. But yeah, I so relate to that. And I've had to face up the exact same thing. If I show up and I actually don't know enough, I'm not enough. Yeah. And that hurts. Whereas like how brave is it to just be like, I don't know. Right. I love it. I mean, I've started doing, that's another boundary that I've started kind of playing Mm -hmm. with at school, just being, or in general, just being like, I don't know. I'm not really good at that. That's not something I've like, just saying it like proudly because that is how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. How I feel is I'm 35 years old. Mm -hmm. I've been really thoughtful about my time. Like, and that, and that's not, I'm not saying that like it's a, it's a blanket virtue. It's just mm-hmm. something that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. And like, I just always have been a hating board, you know, like <laughs> I've always been very right. like useful with mm-hmm. my time. And as a result, I feel like if there's something I'm not good at, it's because I've just been spending time getting good at other things, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like the more that I can model that type of thing for my students, that solves that problem for them too. Like they can give themselves permission to be like, Oh, I don't have to be good at all of these things. Mm-hmm. I just, I just need to be good at enough of them to make a living or make a living somewhere, where else and <laughs> just be okay. good at the things that I want. I don't know. But yeah. Do you have like any sort of recommendations for people to start kind of like integrating those like golden shadows and <laughs> the, the regular shadows? I mean, it's therapy, start with therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I will always refer people back to therapy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was very lucky. Mine actually had an education in spiritual psychology cool. from the school, which I attended briefly, uh, University of Santa Monica. But um, cool. so I'm lucky in that, that they had an awareness around the cool. energy work, the shadow work, the trauma That's work and things California. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Emily, we, my sister and I were thinking <laughs> about this recently because we just went to California because my mom is from there. Okay, cool. So it just made sense. We went there because we have a family cabin there. Um and my aunt still lives there. And we just, it just made sense that all this stuff was coming through our lineage yeah. <laughs> because she's from California. Cause we, when we were there, we just saw all of these, yeah. these therapy practices and these spiritual psychology practices and the energy work and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this well, is where we're from. <laughs> and may I also add mm-hmm. our Mormon ancestors were really into folk magic. <laughs> absolutely well and like like muscle testing and alternative medicine and things that, like that's that what they I'm were saying. like yeah folk magic that. like alternative modalities it for all of it mm-hmm. it's it's that's mm-hmm. i've been thinking about that a lot too like mm-hmm. that heritage is like that's why i don't want to i think that's that's part of how i'm integrating those things mm-hmm. is going like there's a lot of pain there's a lot of trauma here there this but but all of these ancestors including mm-hmm. my parents um, who victimized me, mm-hmm. like they are victims of this system of control. Right. And that doesn't mean that what they did to me is okay, but I can kind of go like, I can still find, um, I can think about the industriousness mm-hmm. of these people. I can think about the immense creativity of these people. Right. I can think about the resilience. I can think about all of the creativity, like all of the art, so mm-hmm. much art. 
the quilting, the baking, you know, <laughs> right. building the Salt Lake Temple out of like the granite. Like, it's get out of like, here. Mm-hmm. There's so much art. Mm-hmm. And then I can go like, of course, this is my heritage. Mm-hmm. And of course, I don't want to chop that off. Why would I want to cut the legs off of like, you know, the kind of origin of like a lot of my creativity? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Right. You do be doing yourself a disservice yeah. to yeah, disown your yeah. parents no matter where you come from. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately, that is a sign of wholeness and integration is when you can not only, right. This is wonderful. Like I love hearing you speak. Emily. this is wonderful. Like it's so fun because when you can see and acknowledge not only the pain and the dysfunction and really their, um, their vulnerabilities, but you can, acknowledge and see their light and their value yeah no matter what they've done because that is in every human being no matter what and even in a system like a religion there's light and there's value and there's love but there's also so much dysfunction and pain and suffering and all has to be acknowledged yeah all of it because that will forever and always be the human condition (laughs) yes we don't get to not have dark no we don't get to absolutely not and so the the more that we kind of practice going, okay, well, I see the dark, where's the light? Or I see the light, where's the dark? Mm-hmm. We can um, develop our kind of literacy mm-hmm. in these ways. Right. And that's why the work is integration, not disowning. Yeah. Right. Cool. Into, right? I anyway. love it. Is there anything else you want to say about art as it functions in society? Like maybe, you know, why is it nice that there's art at the grocery store? <laughs> oh my gosh. Let me tell you. Please. Why is it nice? Um, well, one, uh, First, the opportunity for artists is huge. Yeah. Okay. Just the fact that I have a job, a dependable full-time job with my own space where I get to paint and create 40 hours a week is huge and have a dependable income. Awesome. That I don't have to create myself for the business, right? Right. That is just absolutely huge and liberating. Yeah. And there, there aren't as many as there should be. Yeah. Amen. Um, so that's incredible, but also the uniqueness and the express expression that we are um, providing for customers in a space like this, mm-hmm. like is just huge. It's heightened. Not only, yeah, not only does it help me so insanely much, yeah, um, allowing myself to express on that scale and to have yeah. it be seen and to impact people. Yeah. And it like certainly that. does. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not kind of clocking it and going like, I wonder yeah. who painted that. It's still subconscious. It's, like it's, it's enriching. They notice, yeah. It's, it's an enriching. enriched environment. Mm-hmm. And that aesthetic awareness is like humans need beauty. They humans need that enrichment. Need art. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And 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 beauty and and even ugly art. Like we need all of it. I'm really into ugly art. <laughs> yeah. It's like a topic that I'm like very fascinated by. Oh good. Well, let's yeah. talk more about the human power of abstract art. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you want to oh, say man. anything about it while before we kind of wrap up? How long? Wow! How long did these go? Like, Two I'm hours. Honored for the, yeah. the, the, <laughs> yeah. the space and time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't want you to go home and be like, "What did I miss?" So yeah, what I do think, you think I'll go home and do that no matter. It'll what. happen either way. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> so, well, since you I said, I, I mean, forever, like, so. do you want to say something about abstract art? Um, no, I think that's a topic for another day. It's just it it goes overlaps with the healing power. I mean, of we already creativity. did kind of talk about mm-hmm. form did. free form form free. <laughs> Form free, free form. It's I like both. it. It's, yeah, it <laughs> yes. is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Well, on 
Um, so I, I always ask like two kind of closing questions okay. just to kind of wrap it up. Cause mm-hmm. the idea of trying to like find a graceful ending for every episode fills me with anxiety. So oh. we have two little wrap up questions that make sure, this part easy it. for both of us. Yes. So. No, I, I so appreciate it. I look for a, a grounding tool after every session. Yes. Too. Like, that's totally what it is. And I remember when I started, like when mm-hmm. I was planning this podcast, I knew I was like, I've got to have a wrap up question because otherwise like, like before I ever did a single interview, I was like, I must have a wrap up question because <laughs> otherwise it's, it's too scary. I need, I so appreciate it. Okay. Shoot. Go ahead. So, okay. The, the, there's two little ones. So the first question is on this day, what's your dream collaboration? On this day. Yeah. Just whatever like comes today. to mind. Um, a dream collaboration, like with who or with an in institution, you could build a whole team, just someone that you admire that you'd love to work with. It could be literally anything you want. It could be like, I want to collaborate with the children's hospital. It could be anything. <gasps> you know who I want to collaborate with. Have you heard of cinema therapy? No. Okay. Well, go look it up. Okay. If you love movies yeah. and you love therapy. Yeah. Um, cinema therapy. It's a couple of guys. One of them's from Utah. I think one of them's from Arizona. One is a licensed clinical therapist and one is a film director and a I filmmaker. Interview that guy. Yeah. You yeah. should reach out to him. Yeah. But they have a YouTube channel where cool. they analyze movies and characters through the lens of therapy and filmmaking. Awesome. And, uh, I absolutely love it. So they, anyway, if I could collaborate with them on some sort of sign, yeah. <laughs> some cool. pop culture reference yeah. or something like oh, that, that's I great. think that, that would have, be amazing. Have you reached out to them? No, you got to do Can it. Can I do that? Yes. I mean, that's <laughs> how I? I do this. Like, oh, sure. I'm just like, how do I get her oh, phone yeah. number? I went to the pharmacy. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, that artist that did the thing in there, how can I find her? Mm-hmm. They <laughs> um, should have my card. Yeah. They gave me, they gave me your wrong phone number. Oh, I remember this. Yes, they I did. You didn't you just didn't want to respond. <laughs> I felt and vulnerable how wrong about you were. that. Yeah, we figured it out, but mm-hmm. I tried again. And then you were like, yes, I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's beautiful. You got to reach out to those guys. I'll, I'll do it too. Cause I want to interview the film well, guy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Go, go watch them. Cinema therapy on YouTube. They're okay. a couple of my favorite. I'll people. check it out. Mm-hmm. And then the final question is where can people find your work? Um, Okay, Instagram, Gracely Art. And Lee is L E I G H. Yes, okay. I've already misspelled it once. If <laughs> you saw my story <laughs> after I finished a mural recently, I misspelled it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm constantly filling it for the people. <laughs> okay, Gracely Art. Once. And then uh, mm-hmm. at the Harmon's Grocery Store in Lehigh. Uh, yeah, Utah. Uh, Traverse Mountain. That's yeah. my store. Um, look out for the other artists at the other stores yes. for sure. But that one is my store. Um, and then I have a website, Gracely Art. Uh, Gracely Harmon's Art is also my Instagram. Cool. And then Creativity and Spirit is my uh, coaching The creativity Instagram. right there in the title. It is. They, I love it. I know. I love it. Yep. Well, Grace, you absolutely belong here. Like oh, I, you, I mean, I know people like, you're not the only person who come, like people come in nervous all the, all the <laughs> time, all the time. Oh, and good. so far, I think I haven't ever had anybody leave like without feeling better than they felt coming in, which is, which is great. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that says a lot about you for sure. And I, I certainly feel that way. Thank I you. feel a lot better. And this is really has been just delightful. Thanks. <laughs> like, I feel the same. Uh-huh. I don't get opportunities like this as much as I'd like. Well, so. hopefully you get some more and mm-hmm. you're always welcome here. Thank you, dear. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E M I L Y M E R R E L L music.com. 
And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.